God damn right. That was Scary Pockets, You Make My Dream Come True, featuring the lovely and talented Jenna Bell. What a beautiful voice. Uh, link is in the show notes, and we'll throw it up there for uh, for the people in the live chat for me, please. Uh, support these awesome artists, sub to their channel, buy their tracks, buy their merch, go and see them live. All of the things. Uh, I love supporting very, very cool music and sharing it with people. So I hope you enjoy. All right. I am Kai Zen, your host, and I'm drinking a snake dog uh, from Flying Dog. Good shit. Uh, this is Black Sky Legion, episode 142, Russia to Kill the ISS. Star Citizen 317-2 is live, and CIG had a bank error in your favor. Whoopsie. And No Man's Sky Expedition talk. Uh, hell yes. Let's get this going. I am joined tonight by my tactician, Tweak74. Say hello to the beautiful people, Tweaked. Hey, everybody. I hope everybody had a good week. Pretty pretty pleasant weather where I've been in, for the most part. A few thunderstorms, winds, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, hasn't been so bad. We made it to Friday night. Here we are. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And what are you drinking tonight? What kind of awesome coffee? Uh, cinnamon vanilla coffee this evening. Okay, very cool. That sounds fancy schmancy. I dig it, I dig it. Uh, also with us, we've got... My XO, my main man, my right hand, Wolf Dragon in the house. Say hello to the beautiful people, Wolf, and tell them what you're drinking. Hello, hello, everyone. Glad you could join us on this fine Friday evening. I am alternating between water because that honeydew list had me doing all kinds of shit today. Woo. And the 6 and 20 old money. So hydrate alcohol hydrate alcohol yeah i have a i have a still a half a bottle of six and 20 carolina roja here with me that will not last the night i guarantee you that's gonna be gone in uh let's say about 20 minutes but yeah yeah good stuff six and 20 you know we love it go and check them out go just google six and 20 uh um what is it it's six and 20 carolina uh distillery uh they have uh all of the good, good, good stuff there. Um, go and check them out. They love the show. They send us free booze. We tell people to go and buy their stuffs. Um, all right. We also have, from the Star Citizen Research Group, we got Chad Lozan in the house. Say hello to the beautiful people, Chad, and tell them what you're drinking tonight. Hello. Tonight, I am drinking just a Diet Lipton Peach Tea. Oh, that and, sounds uh, nice. It's been hot. It's hot. So it was in the 90s today with like 55% humidity. So, yeah, lots of fun. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm back in my, I'm glad I'm back in my air conditioned apartment. There you go. You're a free on base life form once again. I am um, drinking Roja right out of the bottle, and you're drinking uh, some kind of fancy schmancy tea. I think the two of us, we're, <laughs> we're basically twinsies. Uh, we also have from the Star Citizen Research Group, my man Elix. Elix in the house. What are you drinking tonight? I guarantee you this is going to watch, guys. This is going to be some fancy schmancy scotch kind of shit. Ready? So I got to disappoint you, Kai. Um, it's a freaking heat wave over here, so I'm just drinking water. Oh, but 
If it wasn't, I would definitely be drinking some sherry finished Irish whiskey. See? Yeah, all right. Okay, okay. Water's good. Water's healthy. H2O. It, uh, it, 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 it definitely helps us to live. And last but certainly not least, Shadow Wyvern. He of the Black Sky Legion uh, uh, Nomansky research group in the house. I, I always appreciate you coming in. Uh, Shadow, because I know that it's like fucking 3 a.m. or some crazy bullshit when we even get started, and then we go for a couple hours, so I really, really appreciate you coming in. What are you drinking tonight, and how are you doing? Salutations. It's a pleasure always. I am drinking some of that fluorinated tap water. Alright, there you go. Alright, so let's get into the show. Whoo! Topic list. For real life science, we've got, what does a proper space corrupt program look like? Will Russia kill the ISS in 2044? And is Congress finally getting serious about Artemis or looking to kill it? On Thing a Week with TV shows and movies, we've got two interesting new projects and two fan favorites to talk about. We've got a very cool game that's on sale for Steam for Thing a Week game, talking about the Mars rover mechanic. Uh, and of course, for No Man's Sky, we're going to talk about the expedition that launched this week. Super, super hype. Much excite. And Star Citizen happened to drop a little bit of news this week. We've got 317.2 dropped. We've got the Centurion. We've got the return of Inside Star Citizen. We've got so much fucking news. So uh, all this and more. Uh, just pretend I hit the button that played the fucking thing. Like, subscribe, uh, give us Patreon dollars, and fucking what are the other things? Like, I don't. We don't have merch. Don't don't buy merch. If you see merch with our name on it, I don't know who made that, so don't buy it. Highly. In, sus. in the name, in in the words of the Immortal Burger Ant, subscribe if you wanna. Who fucking cares? That's right. You just blew everybody's ear out. Let's go. Real life science. What a real, properly balanced space program should look like today. So, people talk about, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. The, the, the fact of the matter is, and this is a shout out to my 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 uh, people out there who played Mars Horizon, because it's it's totally true. You You see in detail when you try to manage NASA in that game. Your job is actually to juggle four different balls at the same time and they don't they're not all equal they require different levels of funding and different levels of research and work but they're all vitally important first uh oh here let me put up some b-roll real quick one second with regard to the four goals the most important is crude flight so i'm talking about they used to say manned missions but now we're not supposed to say manned crude because it's men and women and i support that um the the short-term goals should be a perma base on the moon and get boots to mars <clears throat> now why the moon is a higher sort of uh, thing there for permabase than Mars because the permabase on the moon is 
going to help get you to Mars. <clears throat> Permabase on the moon, number one, is important to test all of the technologies and all of the things that we need to do. While at the same time, you know, shit can fail in the field. And when shit fails at the moon, which is two days away, you can address it. When shit fails at Mars, that is months away, and if you're using the proper trajectory for the, the minimal you know uh, necessity to burn, it's two years away, it's much harder to deal with that kind of stuff. So the moon is important to test all of our technologies for HABs, for just things that come up with the human condition, for the, you know, all of the technology. But it's also important because <clears throat> you can mine resources there, which makes it actually easier to extend out to the rest of the solar system. You can get helium-3 there. You can get uh, uh, water ice there, which you can break down and get locks for, because hydro, you know, there's hydrolox engines, there's methylox engines, but pretty much all of the engines use ox, use, uses oxygen, or locks rather, liquid oxygen, for the oxidizer portion of the rocket engines. So, so long as we are sort of dependent on, um, oxidizer to use for liquid rocket fuels the moon is going to be super super important because you cannot overestimate the value of being able to grab oxygen cheaply outside of the earth's atmosphere uh, we burn up so much money just trying to escape earth's very thick atmosphere that when you have a situation like the moon where there's no atmosphere and there's the ability to just grab oxygen without having to pay massive amounts of payload to get it to escape velocity, that is just vitally important. And that honestly should be 60% of the funding of, of, of what NASA is doing. Now, <clears throat> I, I personally believe that NASA has shown itself to be utterly incompetent with regard to dealing with the current round of how they do civilian contracts and stuff. I think the SLS is an absolute shit show. <clears throat> I hope that NASA will start to streamline things. We're going to talk a little bit about that <clears throat> coming up in this segment, but they definitely need to be using much smarter contracts and, 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 and working relationships with civilian uh, contracting agencies, I would strongly suggest for the crewed flight programs, partnering with, uh, obviously, uh, SpaceX for most of that. <clears throat> but there's some other providers, too, and we're going to get to it. But what NASA needs to be doing is designing HABs, designing protocols, overseeing contracts with you know hopefully fruitful contracts with commercial providers um and getting the most bang for their buck 
to get this program jump started. So, permabase on the moon and boots on Mars. Now, permabase on Mars for sure is the goal. But in the short term, <clears throat> I think what we're looking at is more a situation of something along the line of uh, Dr. Um, shit, why am I blanking on his name now? The, the Mars Direct Plan, the guy that was from Lockheed Martin, uh, uh, who was talking about, you know, basically sending people every two years to Mars and they would be on a program there that kept them on Mars for about a year and a half. So you would have little gaps in between when you had people on Mars, but, uh, uh, Zubrin, Zubrick, Zub, uh, fuck, what's his name? Martin Zubrin, Dr. Martin, whatever. Uh, having people mostly on Mars, <clears throat> but a hundred percent with overlap on the moon. Um, so the second group should be a system-wide exploration that that should be the second goal now what i'm what do i mean by that i mean orbiters at all the planets and prominent moons you know <clears throat> uh or objects detailed study of the kyber belt and some study of the oort cloud you know also we need to locate persephone we know that there is we know to a high probability the math checks out there is like an a i would say like 90 percent chance that there's a large planet on a peculiar orbit that goes out past the kyber belt and only comes into the inner solar system and orbits the sun every several thousand years <clears throat> the math checks out they know there's a planet there 10 percent chance it's not a planet that it's actually a micro black hole that's somewhere also in a weird position out on the other end of the kyber belt uh, we literally need a couple hundred more years or a thousand more years of observation before we could say for sure if it was a micro black hole. If it's a planet with James Webb and with other things that are coming online shortly, we should be able to say within the next 20 years, okay, we know for sure there's a planet. It's a super weird situation. This would be a planet that it's off the uh, solar plane. So it's not a planet that's native to our system. It's a planet that was a wandering planet. It was a rogue planet. It came into our system in a weird orbit. It <clears throat> was captured by our system and it is on a highly, what they call a peculiar uh, non-standard off-plane elliptical orbit around the sun that that is literally thousands of years so these are things that we should look to do uh, we need to down the line get rovers diggers submersibles at the the various planets i'm talking or and moons titan europa enceladus ganymede series these places where we know <clears throat> there's a high probability of finding life and or finding the ability for us to support life uh, honestly there's a very very good argument that was written by uh two doctoral uh, uh two doctors uh phds who worked on the um one of the 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 what's the name of the, the cassini program that say that titan is a far better so the the name of the book is beyond earth it was uh written by charles wolferth and amanda Hendricks um from the cassini program and they say titan is a way better place to build a permanent sort of human colony than mars but it's way far out so 
It's just a situation of our technology doesn't provide for it right now. But long term, in the next 200 years, you know, step one, set up a base on Mars. Step two, look to expand out towards Titan. Titan, Europa, and Ganymede seemed like very, very uh, uh, promising places to go. So there's a lot of the solar system. There's a lot of bodies in our solar system where we don't even have orbiters. And with the advances in uh, uh, cube satellites, micro, you know, the 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 the, the microprocessing, micro, all of the stuff that's ha gone on with technology where you can shrink down what you need in the satellite this not isn't necessarily a thing that spacex should be doing a lot of this is stuff that small cubesat providers things like uh, companies like uh, um, uh, rocket labs and and relativity and uh there's i keep we, we've pushed it back like three weeks because things keep happening in the news but i really want to get into some of the cool rocket providers uh mostly in europe there's a lot of things that are going on that i really really want to get into uh hopefully next week it'll be a quiet week and we'll be able to get into that but those in in a lot of those cases the small launch providers can provide a better um sort of return on your money and we need to get CubeSats on all of the planets in our solar system. We need to be studying these things and finding out new and interesting things. <clears throat> the third uh, goal of our space program needs to be deep space. I'm talking about exactly what James Webb is doing. The James Webb Space Telescope. We need dozens of those. Now, you can say, well, that ran over by... A decade in the length of time it took to get it together and it cost tens of billions of dollars and you're right because of our poor launch capabilities at the time that web was designed we had to over engineer it go massively over budget massively massively over schedule and deal with all of that and I'm not blaming the people I think web is an amazing triumph of human ingenuity and I think will absolutely change the face of science as we know it. But in the long term, in the long run, using the wider fairings that we have capable with or, or uh, available to us once Starship is up and running, <clears throat> we can, for the price of web, we can put up a dozen webs. And you don't want them all to do the same things. So Webb and Hubble before it were both generalist tools. They were sometimes tasked to handle exoplanet research, sometimes deep space scans, sometimes they were looking at this, they were looking at that. Uh, Hubble was an optical uh, uh, satellite that is nearing the end of its usefulness. Uh, Webb is an infrared satellite. We need to have uh, satellites that are scanning infrared and dedicated to that. We need to have ones that are looking specifically just at exoplanets, stuff that are looking just at deep space, stuff that, that are looking at all different phenomena. And we can put, for the price that we spent for web, we could literally put up a dozen or more now because we don't have to over-engineer it. We can make one solid piece that's a mirror that just does it easily. And lastly, 
LEO, lower, low Earth orbit stuff. So basically a new space station. And that's for zero gravity science. Our current space program has basically been 90% of the money goes to that shit. And honestly, it should be 10% of the money going to that. I'm not saying it's not vital. It is absolutely vital. It is absolutely necessary. But <clears throat> we need a new space station for a reason we're about to get into. And you can have civilian buy-in with this, i.e. we can literally, <clears throat> you have people pay you to run science up there. And also you have NASA running science up there that it can, <clears throat> you know, sell out to, to, to uh, corporate organizations and whatnot. So that's what it needs to be. 60% of our funding should be getting permanent base on the moon and getting humans to Mars. 15% of our funding should be going system-wide exploration, i.e. orbiters around all the planets and the, the key moons. 15% uh, should be deep space stuff. And with 15% of the budget, if we were to do it right and use SpaceX and use the abilities that we have now for lower cost uh, launch providers, we could literally put up a dozen webs. And the last 10% should be going to low earth orbit i.e a space station and with civilian buy-in you get you buy back most of that 10 percent and you can put that into you know split among the other three so maybe you know boots on the moon and mars gets 63 percent and uh you know system-wide exploration gets 18 percent and deep space uh james webb type programs get 18 percent and then the last one percent is unrecouped costs that nasa eats for a space station but it is necessary for studying things for for the the good for the benefit of mankind as a whole and the united states in particular so having talked for like an hour and a half on that let's open it up to the panel what do you guys think with regard to what a properly balanced space program should look like and and the things that i've talked about here anybody I think the only thing that um, you might have left out for why moon before Mars, um, not only is the fact that there's no atmosphere on the moon, so you don't have to build spaceships that are, you know, very aerodynamic for the high speeds and everything required for getting outside of Earth's gravity. Well, gravity itself, um, you, there's there's less, the moon is less mass than uh, the Earth, so therefore it has what is it one sixth the gravity? One, correct. One so <clears throat> you don't have to pay the rocket fuel penalty per payload pound that you do here on Earth. A hundred percent. In in uh, a couple of weeks, we're when we talk about the China space program. China has an idea for an actual space elevator, which is not with our current technology feasible on Earth in any way. But it is just barely feasible on the moon. And if somebody were to either work a space elevator and or a space mass launcher, a, a, um, <clears throat> they talked about having... So another idea, one idea is a space elevator, and there's like three different ways you can achieve that concept. The other way is to build more or less a like a bullet train <clears throat> on the moon at a ramp, and you basically just launch shit. And you can, using... Uh, uh, like magnetic, like a maglev, like train situation, you can literally build 
like a, a, a two miles of track or whatever at an angle if you do it in the right place and you could just launch shit that would so if you set up a mining uh, a colony or whatever on the moon you could launch it that it would literally just launch it in such a way that it ended up being captured by earth's orbit it would take time but who gives a shit you could it's a situation of just yeah okay it's going to take you know a week or two to get there but it's a rock it doesn't need oxygen it doesn't need power it doesn't need anything and it's going to insert itself in a stable way in a high earth orbit and then it's super easy to just send a craft to go and grab it and bring it to a space station or orbital uh, manufacturing facility so for sure that's that's a good point wolf anybody else before we hop on to the russia space station news all right here we go <clears throat> Russia has announced that it's pulling out of the ISS by 2024. Now, NASA had thought to extend the life of the ISS until 2030, at which time a new commercial space station was to take over. Note, it has not even been started to be constructed Earthside yet. <clears throat> the new station uh, is to be built by Axiom using the ISS to assist in construction. The first module was scheduled to be launched within the next two years. Russia could most definitely, and I fear they will, take their half of the modules and actually have a functional, on the cheap, space station today with minimal investment. Now, the, the Russian space modules that are attached, that, that is sort of their half of the ISS, the pieces that they own, are the Zarya module, which is research and maintenance module, Zvezda, which is the maneuvering module, the Poisk, which is a mini research module, and it also has a docking bay and EVA setup. It's got an airlock. Razvet, which is a cargo storage bay, payload capacities. The Noika, which is a large lab, has service module, has a core module, has life support, a galley, toilets, and sleep stations. Pritchel which is the docking nodule, which was meant for their new Russian space station, which they canceled a couple years ago. In addition to this, almost all of the damage avoidance maneuvers, they call it, NASA calls them dams, have been mostly accomplished by progress resupply missions, which have been carried out by Soyuz craft. So here's where we're at with Russia. Russia had to cancel their space station, which they were supposed to put in, start building a couple years ago. They have been using the Pritchel, the Noika, and the Razvet were supposed to be parts of that, but they scrapped it because they are basically gutting their space program. They're not putting money into it. Now, Russia's pissed off at us for obvious reasons. I don't need to get into politics, but Putin, he no likey us. And they have the ability now with one swoop to number one take their ball and go home their six modules their modules would actually make a functional space station it wouldn't be anywhere as good as the iss but it would be functional and it would be 50 percent as good as the iss what would be left of the iss the us canada EU and JAXA side would not be functional. It lacks 
propulsion and docking capability. It lacks, it has older modules because we retired our space shuttle a while back. The modules that have been going up have been Russian modules for the last good while. So we're in a situation where, number one, we do not have any rated craft right now, like the Soyuz, that can actually do damage avoidance maneuvers on our bit of the space station. The Russians do. They also have a functional thing even without Soyuz. We don't. They have officially told us they're out as of 2024. When that happens, I don't see there's any way that they let us just keep their six modules. I think the whole point of this is them saying, screw you, you pissed us off over here, we're going to shit in your Wheaties over, over there. I think they take their shit and they go. And their thing is not going to be anywhere near as good, but our thing isn't going to be viable. So at that point... We need to face the facts now that we have two years to do this, get this moving quickly. We need to ramp up design and construction of the modern space station to make use of low-cost launch providers, i.e. SpaceX and anyone else that can compete. No more Boeing. Fuck you. And get this thing going now before it's too late. The space program was the single greatest motivator for continued U.S.-Russia cooperation outside of nuclear deterrence. And this severing of ties on the ISS is truly sad for that reason alone. Uh, Wolf has a question. Does the USS have access to launch capability to get mass of space station modules up there? Because, as you mentioned, not more, no more space truck. You're absolutely right. So... The U.S. has technically, theoretically, if you want to spend billions of dollars per launch, has the SLS system, which can deliver modules to LEO. And within the next year, fingers crossed, has access to SpaceX Starship that can launch it at one one hundredth the cost literally one one hundredth or less the cost i think we build the payloads now and pray to god that elon gets his shit right and we could do it on the cheap and if not we pay the price to at least get a couple modules up there because if we can get up a module that's basically sort of the equivalent of vesta where we can get a a maneuvering module up there then that buys us time to get the rest of the stuff going. The Axiom space station was built upon the supposition that they would be able to use the ISS as a manufacturing facility to get things up and running. Without it, shit gets way, way more complicated. Uh, Wolf, do you have a, a question or comment on this? Because you had stuff in there. Uh, let, let's hear your comment, and then we've got Shadow Wyvern up next. Yeah, it was, it was just my thought of, you know, the whole reason that, that on the, the U.S. side and for a lot of the older modules that they're up there is because we had the space trucking union, which was the space shuttle just bringing shit up there. And aside from Elon Musk's plan... 
I'm trying to think if there's anything in the ESA's arsenal <coughs> that is capable of enough mass with the payload volume of a module. And I can't think of anything. So theoretically, you'd be pushing the limits, but theoretically, Ariane Spas could maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, and yeah, that's the only one I could think of. Was relativity, one of the big relativity manager. coming online soon. But they they have yet to launch anything to orbit. But they have very very promising uh, engine tests and whatnot. So I, I would think your your primary hopeful there is. SpaceX, your backup where you have much more uh, feasibility, but at a stupid inflated cost would be SLS. And then your Hail Mary passes would be Ariane Spas or Relativity. Yeah. Shadow Wyvern. Um, what will likely happen, in my view, is Putin will simply demand that we pay him to keep the modules. And we'll have to do that. We'll have to give him the money that he wants, otherwise he'll just disconnect them. <coughs> Russia, the Russian space program really doesn't have the finances to maintain a space station, hmm. so he'll use it as a bargaining tool. What Putin is interested in, in space, what he calls the new frontier, is stuff like anti-satellite weapons. That's all he can really put up there at the minute. He doesn't have a functioning space program, program in my opinion. Okay. So it would either be pay up or lose the modules. Yeah. That's what will happen. I, I, honestly, if that were to be an option, if he were to be able to say, hey, I'm going to hold you for ransom, ransom for, you know, give us $10 billion, that would be honestly a really good outcome for us. I would take that uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, I think though i i think he's literally willing to say fuck you watch yours burn um just for the sure. implied prestige but i mean I'm if sure. he offers us the opportunity fuck yeah take it i'm sure you'll be tempted to say fuck you i'm taking my stuff away but <clears throat> he'd much rather have money okay because russia's uh economy <clears throat> it, it's it needs as much money as you can get because he's fighting the war and stuff you know all right Anybody else have a comment they want to hit on this before we move on? Uh, the whole thing is just a giant mess. And mm -hmm. uh, we need to get stuff out there sooner than later. And we shouldn't have been depending upon the Russians for key um, abilities this entire time. Very true. We should, have, we should have redundancy from the day one. From day one. Very, very true. All right. So the third uh, point of the night. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I do want to, uh, Wolf, uh, link the asset here. What we've been playing in the background is a muted loop uh, of a clip from Angry Astronaut. Can Russia run off with part of the ISS in 2024? Can NASA do anything about it? 17-minute long video. Phenomenal video. Go and check it out. Um, and the third point. Congress finally getting involved in Artemis. So... Congress attached a rider to the CHIPS Act, which is literally a law created to promote semiconductors being created by the U.S. And of course, because Congress is Congress, they attached a rider to it that said uh, that 
they want to get into details with regard to how Artemis, SLS, HLS, all of this is going to work. <clears throat> now, right off the bat, there's some good points to this. They have, like, we haven't really had a plan. We've just been drifting with the entire Artemis program. There's not a director for the Artemis program. There's not an office that handles that. There's no accountability. There's been no set goals and details. There's been no <clears throat> real explanation for how things are going to go. It's just been NASA handing out money to contractors based on what Congress keeps coming in oversight committee meetings and saying, well, I think you should have one of these because this guy gave me money for my re-election campaign. So why don't you do one of those? And we strongly suggest you go with this outfit. We strongly suggest you give money to Boeing for this or Lockheed Martin or this one or that one or whatever, which is an absolute shit show. And we've covered this. This is ground that's been well, well covered. Now they're saying we need a plan. We have goals. We want answers. We need, uh, you need a person in charge of this that can come to Congress. We need them to give us within, you know, 500 days an answer on this, within 90 days an answer on that. Give us a goal, give us a budget, give us this, give us that, give us all of these details. And beautifully, brilliantly, they've included specific things like there needs to be at least two launches a year as part of this program. That's never been said before. It had previously been one every year or every two years. They're saying, no, it needs to be two launches a year. Fucking fantastic. Brilliant. They've said, hey, this can't just be a mission to the moon. This needs to be a mission to the moon with it explicitly stated that this is a stepping stone to Mars. Fucking brilliant. Exactly. Yes. They've said all kinds of other things in details with, hey, we want an answer to this. We want an answer to that. So... Three quarters or half of this is all of the good stuff we've been waiting for where when I said, hey, we need to get our shit together or China's going to eat our lunch. All of that, they're answering and they're saying it needs to be this, that and the other. Here's the downsides to it. And there's a couple. Number one. They don't allocate any money at all anywhere in this. So they've said you need to do a bunch of stuff. And. I mean, theoretically, maybe when they pick a guy and or, or lady and get uh, answers in on all this stuff, maybe Congress then says, okay, here's the money. But maybe not. That's not explicit. Number two, they've doubled down on SLS and said, spend more money on SLS. All our contractor buddies that keep giving us donations for our re-election committees want more money. Give more money to SLS. They've entirely ignored HLS. They have not fucking mentioned one word in that entire rider about Starship and, uh, you know, SpaceX and their involvement. They have not talked about the Habs. They've not talked. They've left out so much stuff. They basically just said, give us lots of answers and double down on SLS and double down on the gateway program. This, this, potential boondoggle of a space station around the moon uh i mean that it could that that's one of those where i'm split so hard because it could be useful in some ways but they haven't explicitly stated that they want to make it useful in those ways it's so far all they've explicitly stated is they want their buddies to get money all of this 
could be the Congress finally getting its shit together and saying, hey, we need a plan here and we need to actually make this work. But it also could be a setup of we're giving you deadlines to give us answers on these 50 things. And then when you don't, we now have the cover to say, well, we're canceling it because you're incompetent and can't do your job. But if that's the case, and I don't know that that's what Congress is doing, that's a, it's a 50-50, it's, it's a coin flip at this point. Either they're A, getting their thumb out of their ass and figuring out what to do, or B, setting this up to kill it. And if they're setting this up to kill it, this is so particularly fucking evil because they're setting up to kill it by not giving NASA the tools, the money, to do the things that they're telling them to do. So I know because I can see by the all caps comment that Wolf made that you have feelings on this. Everybody else put a dot in there and hop in so I know who wants to get in. Go ahead, Wolf. Oh, I am beyond irritated with this one. First off, hey, inside of this semiconductor whatever act, we're just going to throw this thing about space in here that's got precisely fuck all to do with whatever else was in this law being written to begin with and it's a huge unfunded mandate of course things are not going to be um done in time because like you said kai nobody's in fucking charge they don't have their shit together as a program should to do these things so what does that mean? It means most likely they're gutting the whole thing, putting everything in SLS, which still doesn't make any fucking sense to me whatsoever because it's stupidly expensive. And last I saw the, was it um, Rocketdyne that makes the space shuttle main engines that they're repurposing and Correct. making new at Rocket, a Rocket exorbitant... At, 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 at a... 50,000 times the price, and B, they can guarantee, I think it was two four. a year. Four? It was I think four it was a year. Four okay. per year. Okay. Yeah. Four per year, which I think this bastard uses four to launch. Mm hmm. So that's great. You have an annual rocket launch. Cool. I hope you make it happen on the 4th of fucking July. <laughs> this is just bureaucratic ineptitude at its finest and it's not going to put people up in space it's maybe going to be able to build a space station except i don't see fuck all for contracts get or requests for quotes for doing that so in musk we trust for hoping that they take some sort of thing and park it on uh the space station where the uh russian um ships have been docking to do the dams so the uh yeah yeah i mean fingers crossed keep in mind in the time of the apollo program at you know uh, a sliver of the price we were launching things in gemini and apollo we were launching shit so fast that you know there was times where they launched one up and while one was in orbit they were moving the second one out to the pad <clears throat> and now all of 50 years plus later, 50, 60 years later, we're at the point where we're like, hey, we could baby launch something once a year, whatever. Like, this is just embarrassing. We need Elon at this point. Um, I get it. 
that there's problems with the guy. I'm not saying he's a saint, but I'm saying he's necessary for this. Anybody else have uh, anything they want to hop in on this before we move on to to get the, uh, to the rest of this? Go ahead. It's the Alabama Alabama Mafia that's <clears throat> finest. Yep, hundred percent. Totally is. One hundred percent. Always the case. It's always the case without a strong leadership in place. State bureaucracies will always serve the bureaucracy before it serves the actual purpose. Hmm. It just needs somebody to take charge, but that's unlikely. Yep. All right. So that takes us to, okay, uh, Angry Astronaut had another good video on this. Congress makes big changes to SLS and Artemis. It's uh, 25 minutes long. Uh, link it in the chat for me, Wolf. All right, that takes us to thing a week. Uh, we've got, let's see here. The first thing we're going to cover is a very, very cool show. Now, look. This is not exactly space per se, more future tech and ethics, but there is a little gem of a show called Devs that was an eight episode miniseries that nobody ever heard of, at least in the States. But man, if you have access to Hulu, check this out. There's eight episodes, 40-ish minutes each, so it's basically the movie length, and holy fuck, you need to see this. It's such an interesting look at determinism, and the ethics behind that, and a dive into the theory of ethical concerns in, entangled with Dr. Hugh Everett's relative state formation of quantum mechanics, which is known in layman's terms as the many worlds interpretation, or most, more simply, the multiverse. Yes, that's right, boys and girls. Uh, Marvel did not invent the multiverse. It was invented by uh, <clears throat> this guy, Dr. Hugh Everett. Uh, it is a very interesting uh, concept within physics and it is something that you really need to see just in how they pull it off how they show they literally show you a conceptual multiverse where things break tracks and go in different directions and you see like one person walking nine different ways it just the way that they did it was amazing it's created by alec garland who wrote 28 days later sunshine and dread as well as both writing and directing Ex Machina. That was his first directing uh, uh, challenge, and he did it beautifully. I love that movie. This shows a must-watch wild ride of interesting ideas in less than a four-hour commitment. It's fucking cool. You got to check it out. Uh, here is the trailer. This is your station. But... What am I actually doing here? I'm not going to tell you. Don't worry. You're going to figure it out. The last time I saw him, he was headed toward Devs. And then he disappears. Something bad happened to him. You know what happened to him. If you came for answers, Ask me what you don't know. What is Devs? This is the only principle you need to understand. Nothing ever happens without a reason. Everything was determined by something prior. They're fanatics. We need the police. You want to take them down? It's impossible. You knew I was going to come here. The sense that you were participating in life 
was only ever an illusion. Life is just something we watch unfold. What's inside? Everything. That was good shit. I'm, I, I watched the show. I binged it in one day, all the episodes, and I absolutely, absolutely loved it. I, I it, it tells a complete story. It's one of those. It's a mini series. It's not meant to be. Um, you know, hey, there's more coming. But that's okay because it was just so good and perfect and told the story it's like a book you don't want to some some books you don't want a sequel you just it told the story closed the loop and now you're done and you're happier for having that knowledge that insight that perspective and and this show was that um fucking amazing i cannot recommend it highly enough it's like two years old three years old i cannot believe that i didn't know about it but oh my god it is so good. Nick Offerman is absolutely amazing in this. Um, it, it's so different. I mean, he. I love Ron Swanson, okay? I love Nick Offerman. He is not at all Ron Swanson in this. He is a very different beast, and he's just a beautiful man. He's just, just fucking... The just the what he portrays in this is oh man it's it's fantastic it's heartbreaking it's scary it's brilliant it will stretch your mind so yeah go check it out it was I think it was made originally by FX as some kind of special thing where they were doing where they're like hey we're gonna do these deep dark uh, kind of mini series that are really really thought provoking and like good sci-fi stuff and then it you know whatever it it moved its way to hulu i think it also did it was in in conjunction with the bbc at some point or whatever um and i think it actually made more of a splash in england than it did here i don't from the guys in on the panel at least americans um did had any of you sort of seen this when it when it came out and if so what what did you think i didn't see anything about this and now I'm a little irritated. They got to get Hulu turned back on so I can fucking watch it. Because oh, that looks good. It's good. It's never, good. Never heard of it either. Okay. Well. All right. So there that is. Check it out. Nobody's got comments. So there we go. The next uh, thing that I want to share with you is. Okay. This one gets weird. It's Orbital Trailer 2. And my comment is, what the fuck is this? So this is listed as, quote, the final trailer for Hashem Al-Galili's sci-fi feature. Uh, I have a link uh, here I'm going to provide. uh, Here is the link to the IMDB for this. And also the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, wiki for the director. Because I'd never fucking heard of this guy i've seen two trailers for this thing i don't know like is this a short film is this whatever 
I still don't know because if you Google, if you look on the the IMDb for it, it doesn't say what it says. It's coming in 2022. It doesn't say where or how. This guy is a Yemeni-born molecular biotechnologist and science commentator and director. He's previously directed a short film called Simulation, which I'm going to dig into and tell you all about that. I'm going to watch it this weekend. Um, I, I don't know what this is, but it's interesting enough that it has me intrigued. It looks like it's not... A movie theater movie it looks like it's more of a a sci-fi short film that you know will make this the the the, the what do you call it the the series the the uh, independent indie uh um award kind of rounds and <clears throat> probably end up you know on youtube or on peacock or on some streaming service somewhere where you have to pay a couple bucks to get it behind a paywall but check out this trailer it I find it super, super interesting. So I, I want to share it with you. I shared the first trailer several months ago when it came out. Here's the second. The humans are fascinated by megastructures. They represent a civilization that achieved the impossible. give humans hope. Peter Randolph still doesn't understand the importance of the sun to all life on Earth. Without Earth, the rings would lose what's holding them together. The rings are here to stay. History will not be kind to Randolph. So that's the trailer for Orbital, or actually the second trailer for Orbital, which is supposed to be out at some point this year. I... Mm. So number one, I definitely want to see this, whatever it is, whether it's an hour-long movie or a 30-minute movie or whatever, short film, whatever, because it's visually stunning and super, super um, uh, intriguing to me. Now... With regard to the concept, obviously we've just seen a trailer. We don't have the full story. If they're trying to sell the idea that this is some Elon Mars type cat, some billionaire who has a vanity project of wanting to build 
some orbital structure that turns into like rings around the planet like okay this film is being put out by a molecular biotechnologist and science like a professional scientist so i i don't think that it would be this stupid but if they're just trying to say like well what if elon tomorrow wanted to build rings around the earth that's what would happen like no uh-uh that's that's a Kardashev type two fucking society that you're seeing there. It's a, a type of situation where if we started working at it now and just set aside all wars and stupid waste of resources and put all of our money into it, like every last penny that we put into the defense budget, if we were to put it into the space program, maybe in a hundred generations, we would start to have the bare minimal of the infrastructure to start on that. And maybe two to 300 years after that, or 500 years after that, we would maybe, maybe be able to build something like that. But it would require us mining the shit out of the moon, Ceres, uh, Titan, uh, Mars, like many, many locations and bringing shit back in a coordinated way and, and using technologies that we have not invented yet and are nowhere near to, to be able to create something like that. So if this guy, maybe this movie that that story for this movie is that it's set 800 years in the future or something and <clears throat> all of that stuff has sort of been going and then this guy is just, I, I don't know, whatever, but I definitely would have some qualms and some like, what the fuck is this? How does this whatever if they're trying to say this movie is set in the next 50 years and it's an Elon Musk type cat who's going on his own. But I still want to see where it goes because it's just fucking beautiful and interesting. Uh, go around the horn. Who wants to hop in on this? Well, it definitely looks like it's got budget looking at that trailer, but... Yeah, there's there's not enough mass of materials on Earth to build that. Like you, you're absolutely right. This is a Kardashev type. We're not that yet, and this is. Hey, guess what? We decided to make the solar system our bitch and build this. We're not even a Kardashev. Cool. We're not even a Kardashev type one society. We're a Kardashev type zero point five society at this point. Mega structures of that nature are between Kardashev type 2 and Kardashev type 3. You're, you're already past Kardashev type 2 and on your way to approaching type 3 before you're able to do that. Tweet, you had a but, point? <clears throat> but that's pure speculation as to what the story is because fact is, all science fiction, not all science fiction has to be based on our society right now where we are and where we're going to be in 100, 200, 300 years. Science fiction in itself is fiction. You can make a future. That could be a totally different world. That might not even be Earth that we were seeing in that trailer, for all we know. Okay. But it did look visually stunning, and I don't know if it's going to have subtitles and all that. I don't love subtitles in my stuff usually, but <clears throat> it, visually it looked amazing. We'll see what it is as far as a movie or a show and all that, but well, I'll check it out. I'll give it a chance for why, sure. Why would you presume it has subtitles? It was all, everything was in English. I don't think it'll have subtitles. It was. I just a lot of the names I saw and everything. Like a lot of the names. Like if I go to Netflix now, I find mm -hmm. a lot of movies that I press play on have subtitles because they're from foreign countries and stuff. So I'm okay. just starting to get weary of that everywhere. Okay. Fair enough. 
Uh, anybody else have anything on this before we hop into the rest of the stuff? <clears throat> All right. So we've covered two new things that we gave you to go check out and, and hopefully find interesting. <clears throat> Let's talk about two favorites. The Orville. This week's episode of The Orville was amazing. I do want to make a note. Next week's episode is this season finale, episode 10. But there were supposed to be 11 episodes this season. Between last week's episode, where they visited the Mocklin Female Sanctuary, and today's episode, well, yesterday's episode, <clears throat> which I'm not going to give any spoilers about, there was to be one called Sympathy for the Devil. It was not filmed due to COVID delays, but Seth MacFarlane wrote it as a novel, and you can actually buy it on audiobook read by Bruce Boxleitner, who plays the president of the Federated Planets. <clears throat> so look for that if you're interested. I thought it, this week's episode of The Orville was amazing, heartbreaking, fantastic, beautiful, just wow. Uh, and you, again, you know, no spoilers, but holy shit, they're spending their budget. <clears throat> wow. Um... And I, I did a little research when I found, because I, I literally just went researching to say, like, well, how many episodes are left? Next week is the last one for this season of this, of the Orville, but there is one. There's a book you can get for you Orville fans, and you can enjoy or just get it on audiobook and have it read to you. Go to Amazon, get your shit. Anybody got anything on this? Nope. All right. All I know is the season has been great. I'm a little behind. I'm 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 up to episode eight. The next one I'm going to be watching is episode eight, so I'm in episode two behind. But yep, it, this season has been spectacular. All right. And lastly, we've got for all mankind. Uh, I watched the episode just today. Oh my god. Uh, just yes, please. All of for all mankind. Obviously, as we discussed last week. For All Mankind just got renewed for a fourth season, so uh, they're going to, you know, get in on that. There's two seasons episode, two episodes left of this season of For All Mankind, and uh, I listened to the For All Mankind podcast. Uh, who, if, those of you who haven't, you know, whatever, it's free on Apple iTunes. Um, it is uh, the show is uh, the podcast rather stars. Uh, Chris, I forget her name. She plays uh, Danielle Poole, the commander of the Mars mission. Um, I absolutely love her. She's amazing. She's the, the African-American woman who's commanding the mission. And she has on actors every week and directors and people that work on the production of the show. And they discuss whatever. <clears throat> on today's show, uh, when they were talking about it, uh, the guy who plays Ed... He was talking about the fact that there's only two episodes left of this season, but they're each like an hour and a half plus long. So it's going to be basically like two movies to finish out this season. I'm super, super excited. I cannot wait. And obviously, as we all know, the last minute or 30 seconds of the last episode of For All Mankind, every season so far, and we're on season three, the last minute has been a situation of them jumping 10 years ahead and showing a whole 10 years later, what's the next thing? Where are they at now? In, in season two, it ended with, <clears throat> you know, they're on the moon and they're figuring shit out. 
season three, the the last thirty seconds of season three was you just see boots on Mars, and you're like, <gasps> so holy shit, season four! I cannot wait to see the last 10, 20 seconds of season three to see where they're going at season four. The creator of the show actually said flat out when we created this and pitched this we had a seven season plan we have a coherent story that we want to tell over seven seasons so they're not even at the halfway point right now they're 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 literally just at well they're literally just at the halfway point right now there's much more story to tell i mean it when i say it and i say it all the time this is the best show on television in the last decade, bar none. And I'm saying this as someone who is absolutely madly in love with The Expanse. I think The Expanse is one of my top five favorite shows of all time. And this show beats that. So this is also in my top five favorite. I think this is in my top three favorite shows of all, my, of all time. Um, yeah. All right. Anybody? Evan. Seven seasons. Yep, that's the plan. I, I gotta go walk away. I'm having a bit of a crisis. Okay. <clears throat> uh, anybody else with anything before we move on to games? All right, everybody's quiet tonight. Everybody's like, well, fuck you. I don't have an opinion on nothing. All right, cool. Games. Let's start off with a very cool game, which is on sale right now on Steam. Rover Mechanic Simulator. Now... This, I'm going to say right off the bat, this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. There's a very specific, very small niche audience for this type of game. You're literally in a workshop <clears throat> pulling apart bolt by bolt, screw by screw, segment by segment, various Mars rovers and various rovers that have been used by NASA. It's a super hyper-realistic it's not, there's no shooting aliens with laser beams. There's no, oh my God, I did a crazy landing, whatever. You're playing, you are a mechanic working on machines that have actually been used. It is hyper-realistic. For those of you that are like the uber, uber space nerds that want to get into all the nuts and bolts and how, what, what, there's a camera on this arm and there's a sensor over here and how does this wheel work and what's going on with this track? This is for you. <clears throat> It's on sale right now on Steam, 55% off. You can get it for five bucks. And you can get the bundle, including the Perseverance DLC. So after they made it, they put out a special DLC that included serve, uh, uh, Perseverance for, I'll, I'll take care of the link for this one, uh, Wolf, uh, for seven bucks. Are, are you kidding me? So you can get the original base game and the DLC for Perseverance for seven fucking dollars. This isn't for everybody, but I want to show it off because for some people, this is for you. And this is a game where if you like it, you're going to love it. And for seven dollars for both the original game and the, the, the expansion, it's a steal. Check this out. Oh, 
All right. Uh, like I said, that's not for everyone. But if you love it, if you like it, you're going to love it. And for seven bucks for two games, the, the base game and the expansion, holy shit. Well, well worth. Elix. Well, I was just going to say it's like, I mean, that looks like a cool game if that is your type of thing. But it's just kind of funny of how this little subgenre has exploded ever since My Summer Car. Yep, you're right. You're not wrong. There it, really is a simulator game out there for everything right now. Oh, dude, the, the, have you seen this stuff? People, Some people, Griff from uh, Soul Citizens has been going nuts for Power Wash Simulator lately. Yep, Power Wash. And it's like, <laughs> the fuck? What? What? All right. But... Like you said, there's an audience where they find it soothing or whatever. I'm right on the the sort of edge on this one. I've been hovering over like, I think I'm going to buy this. And then I'm like, man, am I going to seriously sit here and like unscrew bolts and nuts and whatever? But I'm like, I might. I don't know. Anybody else have anything on this before we move on? seems like a great way to learn about what we put out there especially when you look at you know there's there's time between them so obviously there's been improvements on technology so <clears throat> if you wanted to see how this was built on this versus this has, was built on that mm -hmm. seems like a great learning to experience but definitely not a quote-unquote game for me see that's exactly where i'm at with it as far as the me wanting to get into it for the purpose of playing a game Eh, not so much. Me wanting to just really know, like, oh, the Perseverance. It's got a camera on this arm. It's got a radioisotope collector on over here. And this is attached like this. Like, there's a part of me, the uber nerd, that I, I want. I just, I, 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 I want to go to there. I wish there were more hours in the day. You know, what was that movie where Michael Keaton cloned himself and he was whatever? If I could clone myself and have, like, one me that went to work and earned oh, a paycheck. Multiplicity. Multiplicity, yeah. That. That's, that's a throwback. Holy it's a cow. great movie. If, but if I if I could make another of me that just got to stay home and like, okay, I'm going to spend the next 40 hours learning every nut and bolt in the rover that, you know, the Perseverance rover. Yeah, I kind of want to do that. Uh, and, and I agree with you, Shadow Wyvern. Uh, I, I think if I were to get into a game like this, the next thing that would happen would be small appliances around my house would not be safe because I'd be like, <laughs> I think I could figure this shit out. And then I would realize, like, no, dumbass, it's a game. You can't oh, actually please, do that. Please, dear God, no. I don't want to get a tech support <laughs> call about your fucking microwave. There you go. There you go. All right. So that is uh, uh, Rover Mechanic Simulator on sale, Steam. You can get the game for five bucks or the game and the DLC for seven bucks. If that at all scratches an itch for you, go and get it now for like way less than half price. You can't beat that shit. Um, all right, that takes us to No Mansky News. Let's get it going. Here we go. Let's see. What are we starting with? We're starting with. Ba -ba 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 -bum. Commencing 
Good to see you again, Traveler. We've got a lot to discuss. Find your way to the anomaly, and we can start our search for answers. There are many paths to explore. This is Nada. This is Polo. They are your closest allies. Be sure to introduce yourself to the other Traveler entities. They can also help in our journey. This is Captain Agon. They will pilot your capital ship. There's a lot of unexplored space out there. Be sure to stock up on resources. It's going to be a long journey. The center of the galaxy awaits. Take on missions for factions and companies around the galaxy. Visit untouched systems. Exchange goods and find the best of the best. The galaxy is not merciful. You will need to upgrade your suit and multi-tool in order to survive. Not everyone is your friend. Pirates lurk everywhere. Learn everything you can about the aliens. Their history might save you. is at your fingertips. Whatever path you take, just remember, you are not alone. Nice. As I put in the show notes, that is Kyle Culver's uh, channel. He created that video called This is No Man's Sky Gameplay Fan Trailer 2022. A link is in the show notes and has been placed in the chat, live chat for you guys watching <clears throat> on YouTube and Twitch. Go check out his channel. We've highlighted him before. He puts out fantastic No Man's Sky content. Go subscribe to his channel. Uh, you know, check out his stuff, support his channel, buy his merch, whatever it is that he has. This guy's putting out good stuff that needs to be supported. All right. That takes us to picture in picture. Here we go. <clears throat> the Expedition 8 Polestar Expedition just got released this week. Um... Let's see, started on July 27th, so Wednesday, and the duration is six and a half weeks. It ends on September 11th, odd date, whatever. Um, 
embark on an interstellar cruise as the captain of a heavy shipping freighter warping your metal fortress across the galaxy. So again, Hello Games mixes it up with an expedition unlike all that came before. Last time they went with a variation of permadeath with modified time loops, and this time the expedition is entirely freighter-centric, acting as a sort of a super in-depth tutorial on all of the new features, but also really brings to the fore all the aspects of freighter gameplay loops. Now, <clears throat> unlike all expeditions that have come before, you don't start on a planet and, you know, build, you know, find your ship, repair your ship, get up to space. You start on the freighter and the whole thing is freighter centric and it's all about freighter life. It's pretty fucking amazing. Also, as a new feature, you no longer have to wait 48 hours after you end the expedition to convert. You can now convert your save at any time upon your completing the expedition, which is fantastic. The rewards for this are posters, decoration items, jellyfish pet, special cloak with the Polestar emblem on it, and freighter engine effects. This came with No Man's Sky update 3.97. Uh, and it has pages and pages of games, uh, gameplay and stability fixes. Hey, Griff, I see Griff from, uh, from Soul Citizens. He must have, his ears must have been burning. We were just talking about you, Griff, how you've been playing that Power Wash Simulator. <clears throat> it's great to see you here, brother. <clears throat> so here's the stuff. Let's scroll down and take a look at some of this stuff. Okay, all of the expedition stuff, yada, yada, yada. As we said, some of the rewards, you got a burning barrel like decoration, you know, like how you see in the like the old Rocky movie or whatever, where like the bums were standing outside the barrel and the barrel's on fire and you're sitting there warming your hands. They have that as a housing decoration now and other decorations as well. <clears throat> the, the cloak, all of this stuff, stuff from the community. It's good shit. The special engine, you know, flame stuff for your for your freighter. Um, so yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, Shadow Wyvern, I know you've been playing the uh, the expedition. Why don't you hop in and start off, and then anybody can ask questions, and we can just kind of roundtable this discussion as we go. Um, okay. Well, if Groundhog Day in space wasn't your thing, which it wasn't for. A few people this time. Then this expedition is more back to a normal affair without any new game mechanics like that. Um, when you start, you'll get a nice surprise, especially if you've played the game for multiple times. <coughs> you'll get a real treat, I think, the first time you actually start the mission because there's a, some custom introduction stuff that goes on, which is really nicely done. And then, from then on, it's basically an entire, I would say it's a unique experience because up until this point, and the endurance update, creators have really ended up being a giant storage cabinet in space where you just dump all your shit and then you take it out when you need it. But now that freighters are really a giant spaceship, a really fucking great big giant spaceship that you can pile that you can pilot around the galaxy. <coughs> um, this expedition really brings you into those features. So if you're somewhat 
information overload with all the new freight stuff, um, this expedition is a great way to get into it. Mm. The expedition itself, it's it's linear, I would say. There's no nothing really too difficult in it, as long as you follow the stuff and follow the narrative. I would say look ahead because there is a couple of things on a couple of phrases that do require time. So if you leave it to the very last minute, you're going to end up with a nasty shock. So you don't want to start it a few days before the expedition is due to end. You want to, you do want to have a look at it, I'd say pretty early on, and then just flip ahead through all those phases. Look, see what the rewards you get, what the requirements I needed and what you need to do and make note of the things that are going to take you a few hours to do mm. because there are a couple of phases that you cannot complete instantaneously they have a time gate on well it's good that they give you six uh, weeks for it yep yep they do i mean there's plenty of time just you know you know if you want to do it just make sure you don't leave it till the very last minute you know. um and of course, uh, once you complete it, you do get a unique piece of freight attack, which currently you can only get by the expedition. And that's the singularity engine, which depending upon who you listen to, may or may not be a nod to Event Horizon, the film. Okay. You know, um, I think it may be. Mm-hmm. It is the kind of thing HD does, but I don't think it's specific enough. Okay. Um, but generally, it's a pretty chill expedition. You're just a nice, relaxing one. You probably won't be too stressed. So this one. It's basically if getting to know getting to know your creator, enjoying a bit of story, and getting some cool rewards. Very cool. Uh, Tweaked, I see you have something on this. Yeah, question about it actually for you, No Man's Sky Steady players. If a new player were to jump in and do this expedition, does that new player get to keep that freighter he's doing this expedition on afterwards? Yes. Yes. The way all expeditions work is at the end of the expedition, and as I said at the beginning of this segment, um, on this one, you can actually end it early. When you complete the the expedition itself, you... All of the stuff that you own as that character, it converts to a normal save. So yes, you will absolutely have that freighter on your on on that account. Yes. Good to know. Actually, even if you just logged in, because you start on the freighter, you start owning a freighter on this one. Even if you just logged in and then logged out and never play it for a year, when you come back, that account will be converted to a normal save. And you will have that freighter because you had it at the beginning. Can you transfer the freighter from one save to another? No. Boo. You, why? Why boo? It's easy to get freighters. You can. That's get true. But you can use a save game editor and just be like, "I'll have that." I that mean, that's very true. That is true. If that's if that's what you want to do, you know, I'm just saying. I don't not, really. Not I don't mess with that. the. I don't mess with the save game editor myself. But yeah, you could theoretically. Yeah. All right. Um, as people know, if you've listened to the show, I don't play shit on day one. I literally patch week. Nope. Miss me with that. I'll go play another game 
and come back in a week or two after they sort out the bugs. So I have not yet started the expedition because it just dropped this week. I plan on not playing it next week, but next weekend. So pretty much as soon as we finish next week's show, I'm going to hop into this expedition and start in on it. And then over the following week or two, finish it. I'll have it well finished before the end. I'm not going to let it go to the last minute again, but I, I have not personally played it yet. But from the stuff that I see, I really, really like from the research that I've done and the videos that I've seen. I really like what they're doing with this and I like how they're doing it. And again, it's something entirely new. You've never started not on a planet having to both find your ship and then repair your ship. You've never started specifically in the freighter. You've never started in space. You've never started, you know, kind of with a very detailed and and sort of themed, you know, when they dropped the, the, the expedition, or sorry, when they dropped the update that added towns, the expedition that they dropped with that wasn't all in towns. It literally just started you on a planet and you whatever. This one, I think, is a much more representative of the content that was brought in that update in and i dig it i love this little jellyfish guy here this jellyfish pet i'm definitely getting that i love as you can see on the screen <clears throat> the cloak for the with the uh pole star insignia on it i'm definitely getting that i love these freighter engines how you can change the engines on the freighter i'm definitely getting that so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it, and in two weeks' time, we'll talk about the expedition in more detail. I'll, I'll have more, but in the meantime, I will definitely be looking to get updates from Shadow Weaver on how his expedition is progressing. And uh, the cool thing about the endurance update is now that your freighter is visible in the hyperspace tunnel, the actual engine clothes and engine special effects stuff is actually worth it because you can see it. Hell yeah. And as we talked last week, the changes that, that they've added to these freighters is incredible. The uh, the usefulness, the, you know, um, you can scan a whole system now with it. You, they've added tools to the freighter itself. There's, there's just so much that makes it much, much more of a deep presence in the game than it was when they first dropped freighters in the foundation update. So... I am super, super excited. Uh, anybody else have anything on Nomansky before we move on to Star Citizen? All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Let's see. Star Citizen, how about we start with the 317.2 official trailer, and then we'll discuss. One second. <clears throat>
Hell yeah. All right. So I want to preface this part of the discussion with everybody to say, hey, we're going to for sure. Um, we're going to be uh, um, talking about the all of the extra, all of the actual loops and the things that the, the features of this when we discuss it later, when we discuss the thing. I just want to keep this discussion focused on the trailer itself uh, and go around the horn. Who's got anything on this trailer? What, I, I, obviously, it's phenomenal. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, <clears throat> I like the way that they're highlighting through these trailers now, very specifically with the, you know, the, the sort of subtitles that they put on the screen there, <clears throat> as you show each thing, like what they're highlighting and why in that particular thing. I will say one, I don't know if you say criticism or one thing that comes to mind is, and I, this is a situation where I honestly feel like Star Citizen is a victim of their own skill. Their marketing department and the people who do their trailers or whatever are world-class, top-notch, and it shows in the money that they raise. I kind of sometimes am thinking that they shoot themselves a little bit in the foot by being so good at this marketing and, and communicating the stuff that it can sometimes give people who are new to the project. I think it, this is perfect for people who are aware of the project and are already following the project. This gives you lots of hope. I sometimes get scared that for people who are not established within the project, they might see this and go, <clears throat> holy shit, this game is just about done. I'm getting in. And then not be sort of ready for some of the alpha-ness, as you see on the screen right there, alpha in big letters. It's not 317.2. It's alpha 317.2. But that alpha gets lost sometimes and how good they are at doing this shit. These guys, if these guys were doing Hollywood trailers, uh, like, you know, bad shows on Fox would end up looking like they're, you know, summer blockbusters. That These guys are too good for their own good, I think, sometimes. Elix, you had something? Yeah, so I, I, I and I'll take, I'll go off from what you're saying. Uh, there's, like, this trailer... There's two. There's a lot of different ways trailers can lie. But when it comes to Star Citizen, there's really two ways trailers can lie. One is they don't show the bugs. Mm -hmm. They don't. They make it look like this is a finished game and it's just like a battlefield, but it suddenly came out of nowhere. Um, that's definitely something that their cinematics just kind of have a thing to do. But they do say alpha. Um, but what I was really impressed by with this trailer is another way that trailers can lie is making it look like you can do things that you're not like that aren't actually in the game and are dressing up the parts that they have to make to do things that aren't players can't do the camera angles and the editing and all that is all cinematic like they're definitely making this a cinematic trailer in most of the shots but they have definitely they're definitely showing us things that are in the game you know it might be buggy and they're not sure they're showing it in its best light but you can do everything in the trailer. It just won't look, it just won't have the sweet cinematic cameras. And that's great. Like they're not, they're not cheating anymore in that sense. Okay. Very good point. Very good point. Wolf. Yeah, they, their marketing team definitely knows how to bring the absolute pretty. Mm. And I honestly look forward to when things are more done and more fleshed out because that's really what I'm expecting it to be 
look and feel like. And for the feel like part, you get the guy walking with the box and the cops come down. Whoop, whoop. Like, I know exactly what the guy said as he looked down because it's the same reaction I would have had. Just <laughs> balls. Like, it seems real. Like, they've got that going. They just need to keep walking through the process that they're arguably sprinting towards in a few places and this game's gonna be awesome when it is done oh yeah and again i am not a refundian i'm not i'm playing devil's advocate here and saying there's nothing wrong with this trailer this trailer is amazing the only if thing that i could see as a potential issue is this trailer could be too good if you're not us all of us, we know. Hmm. We see this trailer and we go, God damn, these guys are doing great work. And all oh, look at the possibilities. Look at the potential. Look at where we could be and want to be and believe that we will be in a year or two. We're selling. Somebody, about. somebody who doesn't know anything about this project, if they see Jack Bragg playing for just a couple minutes and go what the hell was that game he was playing before i had to run off to work oh yeah he's playing that star citizen thing let me just type in star citizen to google to, to youtube search whatever and this comes up you're gonna be like well this is a complete game i'm in um shadow river i just say it says alpha everywhere it says it does when you sign up to it Sometimes, as a customer, you have to know what you're buying. They're not pretending it's a full game. It, they don't say anywhere, this is a released product. That's a you good know. point. So if you buy it and you aren't happy with it, get a refund. But it's your own fault for buying it. You know, it's, it's, it's never said <coughs> that you're not going to have problems with it. They actually do say you're going to have problems with it often. Fair. That's a fair point. And it is also absolutely true that Star Citizen CIG goes above and beyond to give everybody a refund. No questions asked. They don't even give a shit. When you first buy it, it's 30 days, 45 days, whatever. If you buy it, <clears throat> go to download it, play it and go, this is a buggy mess. Fuck this. I'm out. They'll give you a refund if you know to ask. But there's so many things if you know to ask, if you you know read the stuff there's so many uh, like modern let's be honest a lot of gamers don't read fuck all they click the thing i've never read a eula in my life i've always just clicked for all i know they get my firstborn child they get my left nut they can you know i don't know whatever i i, I there's so many i don't know i'm just i'm just thinking outside the box here uh elix you had something and then tweaked oh no no not me tweaked okay I would just say that since I've been paying attention to Star Citizen steadily anyways, CIG has consistently put out really good trailers like this, a lot like this. And to this point, I would say it hasn't hurt them one bit. They're making more money than ever. People are playing the game and genuinely, I very rarely end up on a server with people bitching about the game. If a bug happens or if the server crashes, everybody just says, oh, there it is again, and they move on. It's just, it's a adult kind of crowd, and I don't think it's a problem. I think they put this out, and it gets people like us excited to try it. I, I strongly agree. 
I was playing a little bit of devil's advocate there, but it's not disingenuous. I believe what I was saying could potentially be a whatever. But for us, I, I just... I, the only the only criticism that I have of this trailer for us, for people who know, is, hey man, you're making it less exciting for me to see what of what the blockbuster people are trying to sell me for this summer because this trailer is as good as any blockbuster fucking trailer I've seen for anything that's coming out this summer. All right, speaking of awesome trailers, how about we hop on the other awesome trailer that they dropped just w this week, the Siege of Orison trailer. Please to enjoy. Hey, happy birthday. Oh my God. We're under attack. Security and overrun. Here's the situation. Ninetales attacks these commercial platforms. Gather any gear you need and help us take them back. Alright, again, we're going to cover the Siege of Orison coming up in detail here, so I want to limit the scope of this segment to discussion of the trailer itself. I thought it was amazing, top-notch. Uh, the, these guys are just stepping up their game every time. It just gets better and better and better. As a, as a trailer for an actual in-game event, this is better than what they did for Jump Town. This is thematically, I think the trailer for Xenothreat originally was as good as it gets as far as thematically, it was like a, a clip from a movie, but it did not do as good a job as this one of breaking down. It, this one had the thematic movie feel for the start. Crazy intense, crazy... Like I said, this could be a movie starring, you know, whatever, Tom Cruise or, or um, um, that guy, uh, uh, whatever. This is amazing, you know, top, top quality. But then it also relayed a lot more information about <clears throat> how the event sort of plays out with snippets here and there that also kept to the original theme. So as much as I loved Xenothreat thematically, I think this one did a better overall job. Just cannot say uh, enough how much I love this trailer. Um, Wolf, why don't you uh, kick us off on the discussion of this one? Yeah, that was just super, super intense. I think you hit the nail on the head there with, it. You could, like, here's the trailer for a movie. I, th I think the biggest thing, like, to me, um, looking at it, it's like, hey, shit's gonna get super rough here are you sure you want to be here doing this it's like it, it's literally giving me a little pause to want to you know go do that because it looks like it's gonna be that crazy and nuts as it should be yeah i mean so if you were to take like the the trailer for like 
reacher or or like you know whatever some situation of terrorist kickoff superhero swagger fucking dude steps up and starts dropping fools this fits that this literally you could be looking at a movie um yeah just wow uh all right elix yeah so um since we're only talking about the cinematic and not the whole siege of orson the cool thing is is this is from the cinematics team like maybe they may have more than one cinematics team internally like a pu versus a squadron for two or something but this is the quality of work they're putting out now and they haven't locked down squadron 42 yet so like it's only going to get better from this for you know for trailers for this and for in-game content it's it can only get better than this right now 100 percent. and i think that's awesome 100 percent uh chad in less than a minute it conveyed what's going on what they're going to do about it and what your part is in it and what to expect when you get there <clears throat> it tells a complete story so when you show up you're not surprised when when shit goes down and it gets crazy and explosions and ships and all that it's just an amazing job similar to the scorpius uh trailer that had like a little mini story in it that was exciting and interesting and mm -hmm. showed cool stuff and all of it in just a matter of sec you know, tens of seconds. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. All right. <clears throat> so let's hop on to the rest of it. Let's start off with... Uh, let's see here. Visuals. Nope. Picture in picture. All right, <clears throat> so let's actually go to this one. Here what we have is, uh, and link is uh, going in the show notes right here. This is the 317.2 all-in-one master page list. Um, this is a really cool <clears throat> list that brings up all of the basically one-stop shopping for every link. <clears throat> link is in the show notes and going in the chat. For you to have it have access to it <clears throat> um the big thing i want to call out from this one though is here is the schedule of the shit that is coming up <clears throat> july 30th so tomorrow siege of orison uh 31st siege of so siege of orison all weekend <clears throat> august 1st jump town 2.0 second siege of orison third jump town 2.0 fourth siege of orison fifth going on and on and on, basically every day for weeks Here's the events. Here's the stuff. Can't beat it. All right. <clears throat> so let's hop into the specifics here. We've got uh, Wolf, are you there? You posting links? I am. I was trying to. It did not want to. All right. <clears throat> so coming up, here's the next link, which is uh, the 317 new features overview <clears throat> you can see it on the screen right there we've got first off the siege of orison trailer thing we just played it for you <clears throat> here you can see it increased player cap obviously this is big 
big, big deal. I think this is honestly, and this was a surprise, I think this is the biggest deal of this patch. Because they had said, at first they were like, hey, surprise guys, we're testing, we're just playing around, we're going to test, you know, <clears throat> more than 50 players on a server. And everybody lost their mind and they're like, I cannot wait till this comes into the live game. And starts, uh, CIG was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. We're just testing this. We're just playing with it on the PTU. Don't expect this in live yet. We're not there yet. We're, we're just testing. And everybody was like, oh, okay, fine. And then they were like, oh, by the way, guys, surprise, a couple weeks later. Oh, by the way, guys, surprise. <clears throat> Testing went better than we thought. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and throw it in there. We're going to actually up the cap live from 50 to 100 players in the live server months ahead of schedule just because it worked out really well. Now, <clears throat> there's a little asterisk on that. I think they are capping when the Siege of Orison event is up. They're capping it to, what was it, 70 or 75? They're capping it to less than 100 for the Siege of Orison event itself. But... <clears throat> Other than that, they're saying here that the servers got listed, they got moved up from 50 to 100 players. I have seen multiple pictures of people that have posted on live of them being on servers with 150, 108, 120, 100 and whatever players on there. Greater than 100 is the point that I'm saying. So I think what they're doing here <clears throat> is under promising and over delivering they're tweaking they're testing they're playing i'm not saying you're going to get a server with 150 people but you could they're promising you that they're upping it from 50 to 100 with the 75 for the siege but you can get more this is such a massive deal and i think it's too easy for us as players to overlook the fact that sometimes they over deliver you know when when 30ks went away which they did several months ago and i don't i know i know they're sort of partially back as with the stuff they're doing but <clears throat> so, you know what was it 315 316 there was a point where they were like yep we beat 30ks and it's like holy shit that was such a huge deal but they'd make a big change like that and then it's like five minutes later it's super easy for us fucking selfish players to be like cool what's next like I've, I've that's not in my mind anymore i've forgotten about it what's next give me something else today today you gave me that yesterday i want something today this is huge this is massive um and cannot be sort of overstated uh chad yeah, so I played it for about 90 minutes during the first part of the show, and it was rock-solid stable. I did a bunker mission, I looted stuff, I flew the ships around, and there was, it was, like, it was awesome. And so they, they so, yeah, Orison is capped at 75, but jump town minimum 100 players per server, when that's what they're doing in 24-hour blocks. So they're going to kill the servers after, in between the, the blocks, and then spin up the new ones with a new cap and then they'll be running on those servers mm -hmm. uh, so they're not running them simultaneously because then that wouldn't make sense you know for what's or what's siege of arson and what's jump town uh so this is a giant experiment and it seems to be so far going really well and i was watching global chat and everyone in, or in the doing the siege of arson i wasn't there at the time because I, I wasn't that gets super involved everyone seemed to be having a great time 
there wasn't no one was pitching that it wasn't working or it's stupid. There's just all kinds of fun stuff going on. So they are definitely pushing the envelope. And this was a shock and surprise when they said, "Oh, we're going to push it live. Have fun." Yes, Felix. So yeah, um, what I thought was really cool, and I mean, like, like it's it's all awesome that this is working so great with you know perform like good performance for doubling the player cap and everything. But what I found funny is like there's little funny bugs and situations because they actually hadn't built Stanton. They haven't adjusted Stanton itself for the larger player cap. So there's been funny things like a friend of mine, he logged in, he jumped in like a few hours after the patch, like the once the login servers got fixed at least. And he logged in a new Babbage into a hab that somebody else was in and logged in first because there just weren't enough for all the players. <laughs> they just started doubling them up. So it's just like, oh, hi, I'm re- I'm your roommate today. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so now that, of course, is, you know, that, of course, is going to be something they're going <laughs> to fix later because they just spontaneously decided it and went, hey, why don't we do this? So things need to be adjusted. But it's just, you know, great little it's things hilarious. like that during alpha. Yeah. It's in the hilarious. meantime, thou shalt hot rack. There you go. Uh, back to the Navy. So, the next feature, derelict reclaimers. Points of interest, space and planetary-based derelict reclaimers. All new points of interest have been placed on and around the planet of Microtech, featuring long-crashed, though not always abandoned, Aegis reclaimers. These intriguing locations offer puzzles, missions, and FPS combat opportunities for curious citizens. Now, I want to highlight, this ties into... The planetary nav meshing, where they, for the first time, have the ability to have NPCs, good guys and bad, mission givers and people that want to shoot you in the face, wandering around places. And, uh, yeah. Chad. Yeah, this is a giant one, too. And the Ghost Hollow, which is the big reclaimer, like, village with all the, uh, and all the nine tails is very a very large area and you can be shot at from any direction from up high from up low down tunnels uh it's it's really like this mini battlefield <coughs> with you and your friends trying to not get you know sniped from a rooftop um and then you have reinforcements that show up and you have objectives to achieve and it's all really really well done and there are more than just that there's, I played a mission with a friend where we went to the snow area in the middle of the mountains to retrieve a box, and it was covered with, with uh, nine tails trying to shoot at us in a snowstorm, and the visibility was absolute crap, and we, we, it was it was the most fun we've had doing a surface level mission, trying to figure out where this was coming from, how to outflank him, how to get our, our objective done without both of us going into an incapacitative state at the same time. We managed to get through it. We both had multiple injuries and we looked back to New Babbage, delivered the box and had to go to the hospital. But it was so cool that the, the NPCs were on their game. They were running around, they were flanking, they were they were hiding behind cover. It was great fun. And there are multiple uh, colonial outposts as well as the derelicts mm-hmm. on the surface. And there's three different space missions for the reclaimer one of them is in the personal tab and two are on the regular general tab 
And so they have three different objectives, three different scenarios, and you know they they've, they've really outdone themselves in terms of the the replayable content and the variety of it. Oh yeah. All right. The next thing on the list here is the Anvil Centurion. We're going to skip this one because we have a whole other thing where we're going to dive into. We got two pages on the Anvil Centurion coming up. The next one is AI improvements. All update. Uh, sorry, AI update, planetary navigation mesh, and NPC reinforcements. That's what we were just talking about, <clears throat> where they're bringing in uh, that the NPCs can walk around planetside. This adds a ton to the game. Anybody have anything on this one they want to get into? I can't wait to test it. This is a big one for me. Hell yeah. Yeah, this is definitely going to make things feel much more alive and involved and make you feel like you're actually a citizen in a community rather than just a player in a game. Right. Very true. Next up, we've got Colonial Outposts. Points of interest, derelict Colonial Outposts. So this ties into what we were talking about before with the derelicts, but some of these are, it's not like it's a place where it's abandoned or whatever. Some of these are, it's like a little town. So just like in other MMOs, you go to a little teeny, not the big towns, but you go to those little, you know, there's a camp somewhere and there's a guy that gives you a quest and he wants you to go get his potatoes over there and kill three wolves and whatever. Similarly, but with the Star Citizen flavor and feel, this is a thing now. Then we've got illegal delivery missions. <clears throat> uh, missions outlaw delivery missions. So these are how you have already the previous deliver boxes. Well, now... You can deliver illegal boxes. And more importantly, it ties into the reputation system. So <clears throat> this is helping you build your rep up with somebody. And maybe even they start you off with legal missions. But it gets shadier and shadier as you go down the rabbit hole. And it unlocks opportunities for you to interact with non-legal factions in new and interesting ways. Chad. To start this off, it's the Red Winds Delivery Company, and they're at a Hurston. So go to Hurston, go to the delivery, and look for the Red Winds Delivery Missions, and that will begin your journey on the illegal missions. And that's from that point, and that's the rep you want to build. Absolutely. Absolutely. Han Solo on. <clears throat> now, now we should be able to test if we can hide that illegal, those illegal goods in the bottom of the... The Mercury, the, yep. the MSR. There's actually, I think, what there's two ships that have uh, secret cargo base now. There's the MSR and the what was the other? There was another one that has a small, non-scannable cargo. Nothing. <clears throat> well, there was a new cargo hold on the Mustang Beta or the Mustang. No, no that's different. That's different. All right. Yeah. En enhanced combat assist beacons. <clears throat> Additional variety difficulty on the combat assist beacons. So this is big in that there's more things to do with the combat assist beacons and they scale more dynamically. But also as a player, one one thing that I think a lot of <clears throat> players get frustrated by is when you go to do a thing and they're like, hey, do these two missions. And you look and you're like, okay, well, this one pays this and that one pays that. They pay about the same. And then you go to do the one and it's like, okay, I can solo this, no problem. You go to do another and you get your ass handed to you, And then you find out after it's like, well, that's meant for like five people and bigger ships or whatever. The, with the new system, not only do they do 
offer you more missions and combat beacons and all that stuff, but they also do a better job of giving you details of like, this is a level one, this is a level five, and you kind of know like, oh, okay, I need to bring more people or a bigger ship, or I need to just get good before I try to do that one. But I think I could do this one. Uh, obviously great stuff. Anybody got anything on that before we move on? That pretty much sums it up. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yep. All right. So that takes us to the next point, which is... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Here we go. <clears throat> the 317.2 patch notes. Uh, so hopefully... Wolf, there you Working go. Now. He's on it. <clears throat> All right. So here's the monster patch notes. We've got it linked for people. We literally have just talked about the dynamic events, the player cap, the patch wipe we're going to get to, um, and the database stipend. <clears throat> so there are the patch notes. If you are interested in them, that is good. <clears throat> Next up is the Siege of Orison overview. Spoiler alert. We're not going to give out any real spoilers here on this show. But spoiler alert, if you go to, if you click on this link, it starts you at the top with the trailer that you get to see. And then it talks about like, hey, here's an overview of what it is, the Siege of Orison. <clears throat> Join the CDF today. And it's got cool shit in there. It's got uh, uh, Dooley, Captain uh, Rowena Dooley, uh, you know, who's, who's, you know, I need you for the Siege of Orison. <clears throat> know your foe. This is where we start to get into the spoiler side. They've got detailed maps here getting started, and it shows you here's how you start the event. Here's the different platforms involved. They break down the platforms in detail. I'm kind of scrolling by quickly because there's some people that don't want to see this stuff. The admin center talks about the central cargo bays. You got other stuff gearing up, et cetera, et cetera. So I just, it's here, and we've linked it in the show notes. If you're the kind of person where you're like, man, I want a detailed, comprehensive overview of what the hell is going on here. So I'm going into it knowing what I'm doing. That link is for you. If you're the kind of person where you're like, I want to show up and get started. Start, read this great part with Rowena Dooley. Watch the video. Know your full. Get into the, the glore of the Ninetales stuff. And here's an old Ninetales video. Shows who those assholes are. And go to this Getting Started and the Orison Skyway. From there, okay, this next one too, your mission, you can read that. From there, stop. Because after your mission, they get into platforms and details and all kinds of stuff where some of you aren't going to want that information. Some of you are going to want to just come by it more organically. So I feel like I did as best a job I can of giving you details and access to details if you want them while respecting some people's right to want to have it sort of unfold in front of them. Anybody have anything they want to comment on this one before we move on? This is the largest <laughs> FPS battle ever attempted in this game uh, by far, and they've had to develop like a ridiculous amount of technology to make it all work. Hell yeah. Uh, Elix? I mean, come on. Look at, look at this thing. It, it, you're on a cloud city having a gunfight on multiple platforms and everything this this is what we all signed up for right here i cannot wait to get into this tomorrow goddamn lando calrissian elix yeah so uh i i just want to point out something a little underappreciated around a year ago we were complaining bitterly about how awful the frame rate was on orison because of the clouds 
when everybody was just hanging around the landing zone. Now we're sending 75 players in to fuck things up against an entire <laughs> squadron of AI with ships flying in, vehicles on the ground. You can bring, like, there's tanks. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but there's just, there's all sorts of shit. And it's like, what a difference one year makes. And, and through all of that, let's not lose sight of the fact that the clouds have actually gotten better in that time, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just if you want if you if you want to actually see, hey, has anything changed in Star Citizen? There you go. In the last year, they put in the work. All right. Go ahead. Now we are on to the next point, which is the Siege of Orison screenshot contest. Basically, between now and what, August 14th, I think? Let me look at the thing. Yeah. Between now and August 14th, that's not the right one. You're on the wrong thing, Wolf. Oh, maybe you're just getting set for the next one. Never mind. Uh, yep, because you already posted it. Beautiful. Never mind. You're right. I'm wrong. Uh, August 14th, this contest ends. Uh, it's first, second, and third prizes. First prize winner gets a C2. Second prize winner gets an Ares Inferno. Third prize winner gets a Centurion. Good shit. Go and take pretty pictures. The link is in the show notes. Follow the rules. And uh, there's the submission thread. as a hyperlink in that thing. All right, good to go. Next up, we've got the... <clears throat> Breaking down the Centurion. I told you we skipped it before because we were going to get to it. Here is the big intro of the Centurion, the mobile perimeter defense system. Basically, you know how when you're in a hammerhead and you're on a turret, you've got those four big-ass laser cannons right there, those four you know cannons out there? That's one of these on a car instead of, you know, it's on the on, on the chassis of a, whatchamacallit, the Atlas instead of, uh, uh, you know, on a hammerhead. It is a <clears throat> mobile anti-aircraft turreted system. It's the non-missile version. It's the pew-pew version, not the shoo-shoo version. I don't, I don't, okay. I, yeah, I just tried to make up a missile uh, sound and failed miserably. Uh, it, it looks cool. It's, it's got good stuff. It's neat. It's a ground vehicle. It looks interesting. <clears throat> Here is some of the details, some of the neat pictures that they have for you to see. Really cool looking. Good stuff. Here is uh, the, the, the sexy, you know, they're selling you shit. They want your money. They're good at getting it. It's a very sexy model of this thing. <clears throat> Speaking of the monies... You've got a roll anti-aircraft vehicle. You get uh, you got two driver and gunner, 35 uh, meters per second speed. You've got uh, <clears throat> you've got uh, anti-aircraft turrets, uh, S3 laser repeater, medium armor. The Anvil Centurion standalone options, ninety five dollars cash money. Who are bond? $110 if you're using your previous stuff and moving around and playing that whole CCU game. Um, or you can get it in packs with other stuff for many hundreds of dollars. Uh, <clears throat> or with these cool paints. Wow. Neat. Upgrade today. Um, $95 to $110. $95 cash, $110 with your little fucking play money. Uh the Tonk is what 120. The 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 other one. Why, why am I blanking on the name of the other one? What's the other one? The missile one. Uh, Lista. 
Ballista. The ballista is like, uh, what is it, one one fifteen, one in that range. So <clears throat> this is similar, similarly priced uh, in the range of the ballista and the Tonk. Uh, a little bit on the cheaper side just now. Me personally, I don't buy ground vehicles in Star Citizen. <clears throat> I buy ground vehicles with in-game money, with UEC. But uh, that's just me. Um, I think some people are going to... <clears throat> really like this and is going to want this uh, specifically for stuff like uh, like fucking Jump Town. I think this is going to come in super, super handy. Uh, this has, you know, right now, ground vehicles have a stupid small detection, like their their signature is stupid small, although this one is a little higher. They've said in the, in the Q&A, which we're about to get to, it's a little higher. Um, but as it stands now, the effective range of ground-based anti-air vehicles versus their signature is skewed such that it's really strong and really worthwhile. Uh, huge asterisks for all of my Ares, Ion, and Inferno fans out there. All of this is subject to change. Do not get overly attached to shit. It's going to be rebalanced a dozen times before this thing fucking gets released for realsies. But for now, for Jumptown, pretty fucking sexy. Uh, why don't we start with the Elix? So uh, you've basically said almost everything I would say, <laughs> but two things. One, this is a small but important PSA. The, they're offering the vehicle for Warbond, which I believe does co it does come with LTI. You can also get a Warbond CCU, an, an upgrade token. But the thing is, it is not LTI. It will not give the ship LTI. The only difference is because you're using new cash, they give you a $15 discount. Fair. Um, done with the money talk, though. I'm really excited for this because I like as soon as I saw it, just the moment I, I saw them just showing some footage of it on ISC and everything, and it's just, you know, pew pewing everybody, I just went, Ooh, I feel like I'm an Arma turning AA on infantry. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's it's gonna be fun. But anyway, Hell yeah. carry on. Anybody else before we jump to the Q and A? Huh. Yeah, there is a um concierge paint called uh, Beachhead. Which is more of a lighter brown paint scheme mm -hmm. that you can get you can get for this. And if you have any friends who are concierge, and if you want to spend the seven bucks, they can buy it for you and then then um, give it to you through gift it to you through the the website. Just to be aware of it if you if you're interested in that thing. Very cool. All right, <clears throat> that takes us to the next thing, which is the Anvil Q and A. We're not going to read through every point in here because, you know, whatever. But uh, just the main deal is, <clears throat> you know, that this is a, a contemporary of the ballista. It's the pew-pew type, not the missile type. Um, it's very good. It's got some some close-range capabilities. The, the up front, uh, you've got the, the whatchamacallit, you've got at the front, you've got the, the, the cannon that the uh, uh, pilot or driver controls on the back. You've got the sort of wagon with the with the uh, AA stuff. <clears throat> talks about it's having a slightly higher uh, signature. Talks about range capabilities. Will the turret be able to move fast enough? You know, obviously there's all kinds of whatever, but pretty fast. Um, <clears throat> uh, does it have lockers? Yes, it does for both crew. 
So you've got the the, the driver and the the uh, anti-aircraft gun operator. They both have you know lockers for stuff. Is the cooler power enough? Uh, powerful enough? Well, yeah, it would be kind of dumb if it's not. Uh, <clears throat> maximum number of shots. Well, you know, the capacitor play comes into effect, and also I think there's a certain extent where they're like, hey, buy it and find out for yourself. Uh, so here's the Q and A for it. I didn't want to go too deep into it, but I want to link it for those who want it. Now you have it. Next up, we've got <clears throat> the Jump Down 2.0 breakdown. So here they're showing you the schedule of when it's going to be. August 1st, 3rd, 5th, 7th, and 9th. Uh, <clears throat> and the events will be happening uh, at midnight UTC, 5 p.m. Pacific uh, on the previous day. Uh, for the full dynamic event schedule, you can check the Spectrum announcement and see all the stuff. But <clears throat> it breaks down what is Jumptown, and they explain the whole thing. There's a documentary, a very cool documentary that Astropub did about the event, Jumptown Wars. This is an event that started organically. It was a screw-up where there was a, a drug manufacturing lab that was selling way too much product at way too good a price... And they didn't intend for it to happen. Players found it, and it became a contentious PvP point. And the the game uh, uh, creators, the devs, said, well, how can we use that? How can we do that on purpose and make it not as crazy and balanced that it breaks the economy, but very motivated and make it a fun event? <clears throat> so now they've, they've continued with it. We've got the updated drug lab location. Now, and this is a huge thing between before and now. Now there's multiple points of contention. <clears throat> uh, you've got, because with the new one, I, I believe, as what's launching here in the next you know week or two, they're going to have multiple points of egress uh, 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 for, the, for the building itself. So you can enter an egress from multiple spots. You know, the physicalized boxes, they basically explain sort of the whole thing. How do you get started? How do you find the lab? How do you accept the mission? Grab the contraband, etc., etc., and the schedule. Again, link is in the show notes. That's all there for you to enjoy. Anybody have anything on Jump Town 2.0 before we jump to the next? Okay. Next up, we've got the pre-flight check. Welcome back, pilot. I wanted to include this in the link. For those citizens who you know you played star citizen you took a break maybe for the last year maybe for the last two months maybe for the last six months maybe for whatever they can literally you can go here on this pre-flight checklist this is very cool you can see hey i quit at 311 i quit at 312 312 was like fucking two christmases ago i quit at 313 i quit at 314 or not quit quit but like that's the last time i played i'm hopping back in you can click on each of these and see what were the changes from going all the way back to 311 to to now to to well 317 and then 317 too they have at the very bottom there for the patch notes you can see what was added what was changed what was taken out what was sort of redone and you get to see a lot of the stuff you know that has changed in this and then they highlight down here 317 fueling fortunes talking about refueling talking about 
selling items to the shops. That's a thing that they added in, what, 316. Talking about mining gadgets. Well, again, that well, that's actually come in, in sections, but it's continually, every couple of patches, they add more shit to it. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, you know, return to jump town. They, they go through all of these things. So for people that are returning players, I think it's a really good chance for you to sort of just in one spot find what you need to sort of get yourself caught up anybody i think uh, it's a great overview that's a great idea <clears throat> yeah it shows how far they've come in two years absolutely yeah and, that that's actually a great point sorry just it it not only is a hey if you've been gone for a while here's a, a quick refresher to catch you up so you don't have to go and you know, kill yourself reading 700 pages of patch notes until you're ready to just go do anything else. But it also kind of on the down low is a, a big strut of look at what we've done. For yeah, sure. go ahead. For sure. I am posting right now. I got this one, Wolf, in the chat. Two links. These are new player guide and welcome hub for new players. I'm not going to pull these up on the screen and waste time with them. But because if you're listening to this show, this doesn't apply to you. But it's a resource that you might be able to pass to your brother-in-law, to your girlfriend, to your boyfriend, to your wife, to your husband, to your friend from work. If you're trying to explain this game to somebody and get a new person in, bookmark these and save these and make sure that you can share these with people and help them like, hey, here's a reference for you to check while I'm not around at stuff. But go the extra mile, please. If you're bringing someone to this project, don't just throw them these two links and then go, all right, figure it out. Log in with them. Get in comms. Get on the phone. Get in Discord. Get wherever. And and take them by the hand and show them stuff. You will have a much better time. They will have a much better time. They will have a much higher stick rate. Like, they will stay with it, which means you will have people that, you know, you have it. Um, all right. <clears throat> so, those are the links. And that takes us to ISC, the last video of the night. And then our work discussion topic, and then we're done. So check this shit out. Recently, I did an update in our PU meeting to show off the, some of the work I've been doing on the new automatic river placement tool, which is going to allow our artists to populate entire planets with water systems in a very simple process. And Jared saw it and asked me if I could present it again for an Inside Star Citizen episode. So here we are. It's time to look at automatic river placement. The first big improvement I've made to the river placement tool is an overhaul of the UI. I've split up all of the stuff it can do into separate tabs. So we have the manual river placement here, the automatic river placement, uh, a view of all of the rivers currently on the planet. We'll visit this again later. View, which is how we can enable or disable various debug view modes, and debug tools, which is just a collection of various other things that I sometimes use to make sure that my tools are working properly. If we go over to create river, the next biggest improvement I've done is river prediction. What the river prediction does is it has a look at kind of the rough direction water would travel if you were to place a river under the mouse. What this allows us to do is look at the general direction of the height maps, the general shape of the watershed, and roughly how long a river will be. 
As you can see, as I move my mouse across the planet, we can see different positions are more effective than others, and different positions lead to longer or shorter rivers. This is Microtech, so there's no oceans to flow into, but the aim would be on Hurston, for example, most of our rivers should either be finishing in the ocean or large lakes or basins. What the prediction doesn't do is take into account the intricacies of the terrain that may prevent a river from actually spawning that location. So this is used as an indication of where the river might go, and then our more in detailed erosion algorithm can work out whether the river actually goes there. I'm going to attempt to manually place a river here. I'm going to click. As you can see, we've now got a set of nodes. And this part of the process hasn't changed. So I'll still go down to the river, click on any of the nodes, and I will click Place River, and boom, we've got our river. I can then hide the debug nodes, and the river is there in the world. As simple as that. But actually, we're wanting something a little more complex than that. We're wanting entire water systems across the entire planet. And that's what the Auto River Placement tab is for. The automatic river placement is split up into four steps. The first step is the gather. This looks for positions where we have a rough idea that there will be a river that fulfills certain criteria. And we use the prediction that we saw a moment ago to do this. We can change various settings, such as the target river quantity, the min macro steps, which is the number of those large steps we saw a moment ago for the river to be considered, and the number of attempts of positions it will do while trying to find these. In this example, I'm just going to try and find five rivers across the planet, and I'm going to say each of them needs to have at least nine macro steps. So we're talking about pretty long rivers. We can also select which biomes we want the rivers to be able to flow through. In this case, I've selected all of them apart from the snowy ones. So when I'm happy with my settings, I will click Gather River Proposals. And the computer will take a moment over finding some river proposals for us. As this is happening, you can see red circles appearing on the planet. They are all of the proposal positions that fulfill the criteria we've put so far. So they're in the correct biome, and they have the correct number of macro steps or more. It's told me that it's found 25 potential river positions, which is awesome. So the next step is to filter them. Currently, what filtering does is it makes sure that the river isn't going to flow through an outpost. It checks that the river is valid and that the water is actually flowing along the line that the prediction thought it would. And it checks that it's another minimum length. In this case, it's 40 node steps. So I'll click filter and we'll wait for the computer to do that for me. During this process, we can see that some of the red circles will start to disappear as they're discarded if they've not met the filter criteria. Right, in the end, it's actually only found four valid river positions, which is fine because I put in some pretty stringent criteria. So at this point, I'm going to click Create Rivers. This is going to actually place the rivers into the world, and we know that they're already going to match a certain length and other criteria that we've put in. Now that we've got four new created rivers, the next step will be to commit all of them. But actually, I'm going to hesitate slightly. I'm going to go across to the Rivers tab, and I'm going to filter to rivers that are uncommitted. So this is showing me all four rivers that have not been committed yet, which means that they are on the planet and they are present, but they haven't been saved to data. Uh, and I'm going to go to each of them and commit them manually. So first, uh, let's sort by length. So we'll start off with our shortest river. 
So as we can see, this river flows through like a woodland biome. And it looks pretty nice, but it is only five kilometers long, as we can see here. So I'm actually going to delete this river. Next, we'll go to the next shortest river. This one is six kilometers long and looks a little better to me. Uh, I think I'm going to let this one stay. Go to the next river. Yep, very happy. 11 kilometers long. So got a good length on that one. And this one is 12 kilometers long. And again, looks very similar. So yeah, of these four rivers, I'm happy with three of them, and I'm going to let them all stay. Going forward, I'm going to uh, allow artists to specify a minimum final length in kilometers rather than just nodes. And one of the big things that I'm going to do next is spring points. What this is, is artists will be able to add hint positions at various points in the height maps to say a river would look good starting here. For example, a crevice or a crack in a mountainous height map. And that's just going to mean that the quality of our automatically placed rivers is just going to be a step higher because the start is always going to look somewhere natural rather than just starting anywhere in the middle of a field. Because at the moment it is largely random positions that it's trying and then filtering from there. So that's what I've been up to with the river stuff recently. In between fixing bugs for patches and stuff, I'm really happy with the progress I've been able to make on this and it's really cool being able to show it off again. Uh, hopefully we will be having a lot more rivers on a lot more planets coming to the verse very soon. Like many features throughout Star Citizen's continuing development, RiverTech continues to evolve into a robust set of tools that will bring new life and personality to any planet or moon it's used on. And you can expect more of these estuaries to branch their course of rivulets and tributaries in the upcoming Alpha 318. But up next, a look at the newest vehicle from Anvil making its debut in 317-2, the Centurion. The Anvil Centurion is the anti-air turret of ground vehicles. This is the vehicle that you pull up when something flying around above you needs to not be there. And in 317.2, it's going straight to drivable. The Centurion basically is the same style of the Ballista, uh, but instead of missiles, we are having a turret with four uh, big guns. In order to accommodate those size 4 laser repeaters, it has gained, in addition to what the ballista has, two size 1 coolers, uh, which are mounted just at the rear. We create a new kind of hatch so that it looks, uh, it, it is central and is not slightly uh, going on the right or slightly uh, going on the left. This is just one. We used to have just turrets with two has two guns, one left and one right. And in this time, we have an asymmetrical structure for having a symmetrical gun. In the interior, we also try to implement something that was not done in the ballista, like the camera. Now the camera will show part of the guns so that you have a better sensation of where you're actually aiming without even needing to have the center of the screen with an icon to show you where bullets are gone. We have a section with all the components 
and one more part dedicated to the power plant. One of the drawbacks to the ballista is that once something gets close enough to it, it becomes that little bit less effective. However, that's not a problem for the Centurion. It can engage anything at any range, but obviously its effectiveness will drop off as things get a little further away. So having a Centurion covering a ballista suddenly just makes the entire system work much better. I think that players who enjoy the more organized style of uh, planetary warfare will have a lot of fun with it. So what did we learn this week? Well, we learned that the latest advancements in River Tech are going to allow artists to crisscross the surface of Stanton's planets and moons with more brooks and streams than ever before. That I've used almost every word in the thesaurus for river in these hosting bits, except Runnel. And that the Centurion is the newest vehicle using Anvil's famous Atlas platform and makes a devastating one-two punch with the ballista that we all know and love. And as for where we are right now, it may not look like much just yet, but give it another quarter and you're going to see some serious shit. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. We'll see you all next week. All right. So I'm going to play Jared now and say, so what did we learn this week? That Jared is approaching his Jerry Garcia phase. That big fuck-off guns on the back of a pickup truck are cool as shit. That the very awesome developer who does Rivers has a lit-up glyph of the No Man's Sky dinosaur thing in his, his that glyph in the background on his wall. And, uh, and some other cool shit. But I, I just gave my joke answers. Now I'm going to... Uh, what the fuck? We're getting spammed with some bot for sex sites? Okay, oh, they're all deleted. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I just I looked up and saw that. Um, uh, yeah, so why don't we start going around the horn and get other people's views, and then I'll hop in with my serious views. Uh, let's see. Doot, 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 doot. Going through the chat. Here we go. Finding the thing. Recording booth. First one up was Chad. Yes, systemic. Take a drink. Everything in Star Citizen is systemic, and now rivers are too. So this is how they're going to populate an entire planet full of rivers, lava rivers, flowing sulfur river, whatever river or whatever you want to do. So they have tools, they push buttons, they make parameters, they go. And then they confirm it, boom, ship it. So this will be... Uh, it takes forever to develop these tools, but once they're in place creating content, new systems, new planets, becomes a known quantity that will take a known amount of time and no one's ever like, we're still not done. Um, so this is great stuff. This is why it's taken so long to make this game is because they have to invent everything to make it work at scale. Elix. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Uh, basically, when we looked at the rivers the first time around, when they first showed the initial release with ISC and they put the first river on Microtech, that was one of the things I said is like, this is just the start. Now they're going to work out how to make the river itself work better, but make tools so they can click a couple buttons and boom, carpet the entire planet in 700 rivers and we're done. And we're getting closer to that now. So it's it's. It's a very easy bet because that's how software works, but 
you know, I'm feeling kind of vindicated that it's been that quick even. Shadow. I'm so looking forward to this. Go ahead. No, that's good. Shadow. Rivers are a really important step in getting the planet tech to a place where the planets are realistic and seem to have cracked it. So it's looking like they're going to be again pretty close to being able to spin those out like a on a production line, mm-hmm. which is it's it's a good sign because again, rivers to look remotely realistic at all in a computer game is really difficult, especially one with such complex terrain as Star Citizen has. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them to nail it in such a way, I think shows the dedication of the team. And it just, it just shows again, CIG, they're not going to take average as the result. They're going to push and push and push until it works. And they'll break every rule possible <laughs> to make it work if necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I want to sort of restate, but affirm what, what both you Shadow Wyvern have said, and then Elix before you, and then Chad before him. This is Star Citizen development in a nutshell. People complain, why the fuck did it take six months or more for them to make a goddamn river? Yes, it did. It took them six months to make a river. And then, because they didn't do it the way other people make a river, where you hand draw a river, they did it all through building tools that can generate things it took over six months to make a river and then in like a minute you can spit out four more and that's the point when they get this shit all done they can just start churning out systems every every system almost every system of the hundred plus that they have planned for the verse is going to have bespoke points of interest, very specific, unique uh, uh, towns or, or cities or landscape features that they have to do by hand. They got to bring in dozens of designers and artists <clears throat> and bespoke, hand make those exact places maybe a dozen places for each system and that's going to take months but they also are going to have hundreds of points of interest like these derelicts or like you know just various things where they have outposts or whatever that those can be created and then just plopped in proc gen onto various spots and then they're going to have the other 99.9% of the real estate in every system you have one half or one tenth of one percent of the real estate is going to be bespoke shit that they have to do by hand specifically for that spot and the other nine tenths of the one percent are going to be things that they can just proc gen drop in where it's like we've made an outpost we've made a town we've made a small settlement we've made a whatever and this is just cookie cutter shit proc gen and then the other 99% of all the real estate in the entire fucking system is 100% proc gen it's here's a planet we want it to have these biomes we want it to have rivers and valleys and mountains and fucking sinkholes and caves and all of the other shit that you would have 
<clears throat> so yeah, this is how they do things. Um, in addition to that, I want to definitely point out for the the uh, you know the anvil thing. <clears throat> this is giving you a more complex and comprehensive sort of completed ecosystem of ground vehicles where <clears throat> this is not a spaceship game like some other spaceship games that happens to have one fucking ground vehicle for a decade or now two this is actually a spaceship game that is also a ground vehicle game that is also a on foot game that is also a it's an everything sim it's not it doesn't fit one spot and so them making the ecosystem of now what 30 40 plus ground vehicles even more rich with okay here's one that fits in another whatever they are really filling this out and making it a complete galaxy sim and lastly i want to point out that <clears throat> what jared said at the very end of that video he said yeah this might not this little stage behind me where there's like junk sitting there and whatever this might not look like much at the moment but give it another quarter and you're going to see some great ship. He said ship, not shit. Ship, S-H-I-P. So what could that mean? Could that be referring to the the next great ship face-off where they're whatever? Or could it be, hey, man, we're actually building a soundstage here that I'm going to do shows from that's going to make it look like whatever. I'm on the, the fucking cockpit. Uh, I'm in the cockpit in the pilot seat or whatever of a Constellation or a Carrick or something like they're doing something with that soundstage and they're going to they're going to do it up and it's still months out but it's something big is coming. Uh let's go around the horn and again just any last closing it out stuff on the ISC before we hop into the discussion topic. Anybody? I did have one very quick thing right here. Um I mentioned it a little bit with the uh how the centurion just you know seeing the footage made me think of Arma. And like the Siege of Orison as well, like, and even the Derelict Reclaimers, like all of this feels like, you know, and especially the Centurion stuff, it feels like it's really starting to build an actual, like a full spectrum game. And a lot of all that stuff that I've just mentioned is on the ground and not in space, but that's part of a space game with planets that you can land on. So anyway, yeah. <coughs> Yeah, it's Battlefield 2952. All right. That takes us to the last thing of the night, which is... Uh, let's see. Do I not have it up? I do not have it up. Let's put it up. <clears throat> uh, picture in picture. There we go. Jake made a post today. The stipend. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, so, wait. That wasn't Jake. That, uh, this is somebody else that posted this. Um, so when basically people started hopping into 317.2 in, in live, because CIG had said, hey, by the way, we're going to give you a little something to try to be generous to help people out. We know there's a wipe. There needs to be a wipe. But we're going to throw you a couple shekels to kind of make it, you know, worth your while in, in, in sort of recognition of... <clears throat> the fact that, you know, we're wiping shit. We're going to throw you a couple bucks. And the way they said they were going to do that, eventually they said, hey, well, we're going to... It's going to be based on how much you played 317-1. 
And then people logged in and they were like, so right off the bat, people were complaining like, this is going to be nothing. They're going to give me 5,000 alpha UEC and this is going to suck and I'm mad and whatever. And then people hopped in and they're like, holy shit, I got millions. I'm a millionaire. And they were like, you know, happy days are here again. And then people started speculating, hey, this doesn't seem right. I've got too much money. I still have ships. I still have stuff that I'm not supposed to have. What's going on here? Things are weird. And sure enough, CIG made a post saying, hey, uh, yeah, we kind of screwed up. Jake, Jake made a post earlier today saying, hey, we kind of screwed up. We're, we're looking into it. We're going to have to figure it out what it was. But we screwed up and we yes, we definitely did give you guys too much. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll let you know when we do. Which was followed by much gnashing of teeth and wringing of hair and and garments and you know, it's the end of the world. And it's like, and, and, and I'm not trying to shit on the people who are bummed. I get it, man. It's completely fine to be bummed. But like, I just don't get it. My, my, my response to all of it was like, this is game is in alpha. Like money means nothing. There's going to be more wipes before it's done. Who gives a shit? Um, just from my very personal and I, it's selfish to you know just express my viewpoint but it's the only viewpoint i have so i'm going to express mine and i'm going to definitely listen to other people express theirs but from my viewpoint the second this game gets launched there better not ever be another wipe from the actual release date whatever two years from now three years from now from the actual release date there better not ever be another fucking wipe because i'm going to grind like a motherfucker and i'm going to have my money i'm going to buy my shit i'm going to do what mmo hoarders do which is grind till your eyes bleed and buy all of the things that you ever wanted and then sit back and you know just love the fact that you have the largest ep in the galaxy until then who gives a shit about money i log in to play test to see new stuff to provide my feedback and my between feedback that i post you know through uh, uh, stuff on Spectrum or stuff <clears throat> in a bug report or stuff in doing this show where people might hear me say, I like this, I don't like that. And maybe if I'm eloquent enough and not stupid, maybe they agree with my idea and then they spread it and pass it along. So I, I am participating in this to play test to help the company, to play test selfishly to try to get my thoughts and ideas influencing the development of the game to whatever very limited extent and scope I can. And also to learn, to see, to sharpen my skills, to get better at all of this so that when it does go live, I have an advantage as someone who knows how to play the game. That's why I play. I don't play to watch my balance go up. I don't give a fuck about my balance because in my mind, I just always consider my balance to be zero. If I have enough that I can buy the shit that I need to buy to experience this game loop, this day of playing without having hassles, I have all the money I need. I don't give a shit about, oh, I got an 890 jump, I got this, I got that. No, I'll have all of that when the game comes out. There was a loophole in the last patch which allowed me to earn in a day of playing without, I, I was not exploiting, I was not cheating some game system. It was just, they were offering more money than they should have for something. I earned in a day 
Over 60 million UEC, alpha UEC, I should say. And what did I do with it? Didn't buy a single fucking thing for me. I gave it out to everybody I knew. People, this one, oh, I just started the game. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This one, oh, my, I'm getting my son into the game and it just crashed and we lost all our money and he's bummed now. Here, take 8 million. Go buy yourself a MSR. Oh, here, take 10 million. Go buy this. Hey, you want a 890 jump? Here, take fucking millions and millions and millions. Go buy your shit. I don't give a shit. I don't need it for anything. So, that's my viewpoint. I'm sure all of you guys have, so I'm not even going to wait for dots. I'm just going to go around the horn and we're going to ask everybody's viewpoints. Chad, what did you think about all of this hubbub, about the extra money that they gave, about, oh, they don't know what they're going to do, whatever. I, I, we presume a wipe's coming in 318 anyways in several months. So, like, does it really, do you get all that fucking hyped or steamed or angry or upset or whatever yeah. on this? And not at all. The, the extra ships was a le leftover from free fly. And the money, I think they got off by a factor of 1,000. I got 13.4 million. I think I should be getting 134,000. Because the way that they the came out, it looks like that's what it, it should have been a few hundred thousand, not not tens of millions. Um, but no, it, it's there are plenty of ways to make money quickly to get any ship in the game. You can earn money in a day to get a Cuddy Black if you want. It's mm. not that hard. Even with a starter ship, even with, with an, an Aurora. Um, you can do the, the, the service beacons and you can do those for a few hours and get more than enough to get the next ship up. It's not that big of a deal. It's mm -hmm. more about improving. There's no levels. There's no RPG mechanics. It's your personal skill versus the world. And the more you play it, the better you get at it personally as a human. And that's where the advantage comes in in playing the alpha, as you said. So when the game really launches, you know the ins and outs of every little thing. And you know what to do and how to get there to, to achieve your goals. And all the new people will be like, what do I do? And then, well, because you, you, you know what to do because you put it in the time. And that's the point. It's the time you put in. It's the friends you make. It's not about accumulating digital money that will just get wiped anyway before the game releases. And it'll happen. 318 will get a wipe. 4.0 will get a wipe. You know, they're gigantic changes. We know these are coming, but the advantage is understanding what the game is and what it's not. All right, Wolf. So, guess what? It's an alpha. It's a bank error in your favor. Who the fuck cares? I mean, personally, if I got, you know, however many millions or whatnot... I might put it towards a ship that I don't already have. The only thing I've got is the is the uh, uh, Titan. Um, love it. It's fun. Kind of reminds me of a Python, just a lot smaller and whatnot. But I'm not going to go onto the pledge store and buy something without trying it. And by trying it, I mean I'm going to have to get it in-game and actually spend time on it. Well, hey, guess what? This is free cash, so I can go do exactly that. So while it might be like, oh, hey, this isn't right, blah, 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 don't, don't fucking fix it. It's going to get wiped again anyway. Who the fuck cares? Maybe, just maybe, someone would be like, hey, you know, I never thought to try this ship or what the hell is that? You know, I've got 50 billion um, alpha UEC for ha-has. I'll do this. Holy shit, I really like this ship. I want it. Click, shut up and take my money. Mm-hmm. Good point. Ta-da! Elix. 
So I'm going to kind of go off the rails here for a moment, but I promise it is related. Um, the and I also want to make I also want to make it clear I'm not saying that these people are wrong to like playing games this way because that's a personal decision. What you do with your life doesn't bother me. But the pe- like a lot of the complaints that I see from people about we sh- we were given too much money. I don't want all this money. I want to start from the bottom. And I also want everyone else to be in the same situation so it's a fair for so it's fair, which that's fair in my opinion, is a lot of them are hardcore grinding type people where they live to see number go up. And to them, that is the beginning, end, and purpose of playing a game. Number go up. If number doesn't go up, why the fuck would I do it? And you know, that is a way you can play the game, and I'm not telling people who play that way that they're wrong, but that attitude is, <clears throat> in so many ways today, something that you see in, like, MMOs like World of Warcraft, where they want to keep you in for as long as possible, and the only way that they can possibly do that is to put 17,000 different levels of gear in the game and make you spend way too much time grinding through them to get each one up. So you get to hit that Skinner box just enough to be psychologically addicted to keep going. Um, and you're not having fun anymore. You're not playing the game anymore. You're basically at a job making number go up, but you're not being paid for it. And, and again, this is really often the weeds and harsh, but that's kind of what I'm getting out of people who are upset about not being given, not having the opportunity to grind from nothing so they can see number go up. And like, that's the, the thing to remember is not everybody, the thing that these people have to remember, in addition to word and alpha stuff's going to happen, just deal with it is not everybody plays that way. And the biggest example I can think of is jump town conga lines. People who are in Jumptown Conga Lines are there because they just want profitability and they're going to cooperate. People who come in with guns and mow them down are having a different kind of fun. Okay. Uh, Shadow Wyvern, what do you think? I think um, CAG should just leave and let people have the fun. I think they should stick their decimal point in the right place for next time they wipe it. But they've done it. It's there. They might just, well, leave it. It's an alpha. It doesn't matter. That's fair. You know, I think that's entirely people, fair. Let people have their fun, and next time the grinders will be able to grind back from zero. And Tweaked, what do you think? Well, the funny thing is, is I see it from each angle, really. I agree with Elix, and there are a lot of people that need some kind of a grind, whether it be money, progression, something. And that's that, to me, is the one thing Star Citizen still to this day is sorely lacking is that pull like what i used to have with elite dangerous something that made me want to log on every day and do something in that game star citizen doesn't really have anything to get you that invested to make you want to do that every single day Hmm. if they did people wouldn't be so focused on their credit balance necessarily however i do agree with you kai when you say as long as you've got enough money to buy your ammo and your med pens and stuff like that for whatever you're going to go do in a particular play session you really have more than enough as long as you have the ships that you want. So that's that's the real caveat. I have the three ships I own allow me to play any way I want, you know, the, the ways that I know I like to play. So I don't have to worry about buying a ship after mm. the wipe. 
So all my money goes to armor or guns or ammo or all that kind of stuff. So I don't need a ton. But as Shadow Wyvern was saying, there's probably going to be another wipe in 318. So it really wouldn't hurt CIG just to leave the money there. Let everybody go crazy buying ships and testing things out. People buy ships. They fly them. They fall in love with them. There's a higher chance somebody's going to pull out a credit card and buy a few more ships, too. So I don't really know why they would go take it away at this point in time unless they have a particular test point of some kind they have in mind. Okay. Good deal. All right. We've been going for almost three hours. I think we've done a long fucking show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let's go around the horn and have everybody say goodnight. Uh, Let's start with Wolf. Just want to say thank you, everyone, for joining us. And I know Kai's bottle of uh, the Roja is empty. Uh, I put one hell of a hurting on this bottle of uh, old money. Tomorrow's going to be rough laying stone for a walkway. Hell yeah. Chad. Good night, everyone. Thanks for dropping by on this Friday night and listening to, to us ramble. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm sober, really. Elix. <laughs> um, well, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, just be fun. Go log in Star Citizen with your millions of credits and go crazy. Felix. Sorry, I'm just dealing with the bot for a second here, but yeah, it's uh, going nuts again. Um, yeah. Anyway, put your fuck there. Um, so yeah, bot's dead. Ding dong, the bot is dead. No sexy bitches for us. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for just. It, it's such a it's such a big patch, but it's such a small patch at the same time. Um, and I'm just excited that we're, we've just we've got some momentum here and there's, you know, there's going to be slow times until the next patch. After the shine fades, the honeymoon wears off, it's going to feel slow and drag again. But then 318 is going to hit and it's going to be all this all over again. And every time we're taking a small step closer. So just eventually. All you got to do is just chill out and wait. Hell yeah. Have a good night, everybody. Shadow River. Great to be on the shore. Um, everybody have a great weekend. Bye-bye-bye. Tweet. Appreciate everybody spending your Friday night with us. We know two out of the three big space games have major updates within the last week or days and everything. And the third... <coughs> Within two weeks, we'll see if there's some kind of a change or something happening there. So there are things happening in all three games. Go out, have some fun, enjoy it. Stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Uh, It was great hanging out with you guys tonight. Please, like, do the stuff. I know I don't whatever, but, like, put into the Patreon if you want to and and click the thumbs up and subscribe and share the show with people on Discords and whatever. Try to help expand the whatever. Hop into our Discord. The link is in the show notes. Hop into our Discord. Chat with us. Um, Yeah, we love you guys. Talk to you later. And and I swear to God, next week, unless some fucking big shit drops, we're going to get into small launch providers. I've got so many cool rocket company pieces of information I've researched I really want to share with you guys. All right.